All right, guys, what's up? So before we start this episode uh, with BBD of the Texas Emo Club, uh, this is a special announcement. So first and foremost, thank you to everybody who supported the podcast uh, these these two years. Um, it's been fun. It's been exciting to meet new friends, to meet new podcasters, to get new listeners out in different parts of the country. Um, it's still amazing to me that people actually <laughs> want to listen to my fucking voice and what I have to say. Because um, growing up, nobody really gave a shit what I have to say. And now uh, I have my own platform and people listen to me and I get to have great guests and I get to ha- do podcast episodes with friends and, and shit like that. So thank you guys for making this possible. And... Um, Cheers to two to 20 more years doing this shit. Um, so anyways, I know everyone is listening to this for the giveaway. So I know I did a giveaway for the two year anniversary and uh, I have picked the guest. So again, thank you to everybody who participated in the giveaway. Um, I know everyone's everyone is a winner in my eyes and, um, you know, but uh, unfortunately there had to be two. Um, so the first winner is, uh, Jose Ramos of Ranting with Ramos podcast. Uh, you are our first winner, sir. So when you hear this, and I know you will DM me to claim, uh, to claim your prize and we'll get on that ASAP. So, uh, again, congratulate, congratulations to Jose for winning, um, being number one. There we go. All right. And then we have another winner. So I know everybody's like on the seat of their chairs. It's like, who the fuck is going to win? You know, who's the second winner? Uh, the second winner is, uh, I have the paper here. Uh, fuck. Where is it? I know I'm being stupid with this, but I'm, I'm, I'm looking for the person because I want to pronounce their name correctly. So... Um, damn. Uh, second winner of the Inside the Northside podcast two year anniversary giveaway is Pamela. So, congratulations to Pamela. <laughs> Pamela is a new listener and a new supporter. Thank you for listening and supporting. Uh, it means a lot to have a new person, you know, in uh, listening to the podcast in 2021. Um, especially season five. Hopefully you get to go back and listen to some of the other episodes and stuff like that. Uh, I highly suggest you listen to uh, the silly goose episode that I did co-host. We're going to be doing another one soon. So keep an eye out for that. Um, and check out all the other episodes. They're all great. So anyways, those are the winners guys. Congratulations to the both of you. Like I said, DM me when you hear this to claim your prize and we will go forward for that. Um, again, thank you everybody for supporting. Thank you for listening. And yeah, man, let's let's get into the fucking episode. All right, guys, what's up? This is Inside the North Side coming to you from the studio. I hope you guys are having a great week. I know I am. Uh, we have a very special guest here. He is the man. He is the legend. He is the king of emo nights. Uh, please give a round of applause for uh, BB Ding. What's good? What's good? Oh, that's a large crowd, man. How the hell did you get in the studio? Yeah, damn, that's pretty good. <laughs> so, how have you been, man? Got my how mask on. 
I've been good. I've been good. Uh, just grinding it out and, you know, kind of um, looking back at the year that I've had, putting all these events together and trying to bring them back and different iterations of what Emo Night could be or how we could do it differently now that there's so many of it mm-hmm. or so many versions of it. Uh, you know, there's ones from LA, from Brooklyn that come through the city and trying to figure out what stands apart as the year winds down. I'm like, uh, let's, let's kind of take some off the board and get ready to come back harder in the next year. And, you know, look at all that we did and, uh, what we could do better. Uh, for example, you know, we had, uh, used to keep the uh, Barbarella Houston event free before 10. And then it was $5 after that. And then after COVID, a big reason for the price change was, uh, one, we didn't want it to be full of people. So we were like, maybe if it's 10 bucks, like, you know, average attendance was a thousand pre COVID average attendance for Houston emo nights, like maybe 600 now. You know what I mean? Really? Yeah. yeah, They're still, they're still really busy, but they don't, uh, they used to be a lot crazier pre COVID. And so the price increase was really to kind of, steady that but as it comes back it's like okay it looks like things are finally actually getting back to normal and people are less and less afraid to come out maybe we can go back to doing some sort of you know uh, rsvp for entry before 10 and we'll find a way to get people in there and then at least have that kind of option just so that we have something that you know isn't an arm and a leg to go to because we want everyone to have access to our parties or you know, want to come and if the cover charge was a deterrent, like it was kind of intentional, but as we start to grow again, I think we could sustain uh, having like a free entry hour and stuff like that. So that's what I mean when I say like, we're looking back at what we could do better as next year progresses and uh, get these events to another level Yeah, and do more for the city. Yeah, man. It's uh. Uh, it's crazy, like, because y'all started, what, about, like, five, six years ago? Right? Yeah, the Am first I? one was in August of 2015, the ones at Barbarella. Yeah, and now there's, so, like, six, seven different emo nights within a month, and, mm-hmm. you know, it's mm-hmm. kind of like, it's so spread it out. You got one at a Scout Bar, you have one at the Rise Rooster that you guys do, and then you have one at Warehouse, and then you, there's so many to count, you can't even keep up with them. Mm-mm. And, the, you know different dates, different uh, promoters putting them together. So there's different vibes that, you know, some are on a weekend, which is a great plus for people uh, because we did it at Barbarella. We got their off nights, but I think it's been a staple because it's definitely more service industry focused. It seems like, which I, I like about our crowd. It's a lot of uh, people that, you know, uh, can make it out on a Tuesday night and are glad they have something to do. Because for some people, that is their Saturday, you know? Yeah, of course. So, yeah, so we, you know, we uh, while it's an off night, I'm really glad that we do have that. But definitely, moving forward, uh, want to get in the mix with all these other ones that are able to have weekend events. And that's where we're trying to figure out, okay, well, how could we do something different uh, like we do in Austin, in Houston? Because the Austin Emo Nights, we have live bands and... Uh, emo karaoke and we have different rooms and we have different versions of the party that we throw throughout the city. But since I'm based out here, 
it's a lot easier to put together. Uh, but definitely want to be able to do that type of stuff in Houston and just kind of strengthen our um, base of events that we can do across the state. I think that's just where this seems to be going because, you know, uh, all the other ones from the major cities seem to be able to to tour and do cool things and add levels to it. Uh, when it started, it was just kind of like, yeah, I think those are, those emo nights are a good idea. I love that music. We should uh, we should throw a party here at Barb's because you know I was uh, friends with one of the original G- general managers and eventually the owner, and so they were able to be like, if you think you can build it, like go for it now that you know we're on the this side of covid and these parties are extremely popular i'm like i want to join the the ranks of the the big major ones that throw tours or throw you know celebrity parties or guest dj sets i mean things like that and uh and bring them on board so um we just got to play up to uh what makes us good and that's uh, having a party like like Barb Houston uh, as our foundation and then add a few more events to the wheelhouse in the city and um, grow our, like our presentation of an emo night so that people come and go, Oh yeah, this is way different. This one's fun. These guys do a good job because that's just what it seems to be now. It's like, so many different versions and we all have the same playlist pretty much because there's a handful of songs everyone expects to hear at these type of parties so you know what is going to make your yours different yeah. even if you're the og like you still got to stay uh, ready to change yeah i was actually uh, that was my uh, that was my question i was like what got you started to like do like the whole emo night like what kind of like made you get into that because like you said it started years ago and mm-hmm. um as i rem- as far as i remember there wasn't really anything like that i mean really and um not in the beginning now this was like the main one in you, the town yeah and um i um, think i remember the first time i went to one of the emo nights i think it was maybe like a year after you guys started but it was like during the winter time i think it was in december and um, mm-hmm. um, back then, I didn't know, like, once you get there, you know, it it kind of builds up a little bit. It was like 11 o'clock, and I was like, well, nobody's really here. So me mm-hmm. and my girlfriend, we kind of like, well, let's let's go. I mean, the music's good, but it's like, oh, there's not that many people. And the next time I went, we stayed a little bit longer, and that's when I knew. I was like, oh, more people start coming later on. Then that's when the party starts getting bigger, and, and, and people start getting into the music and stuff like that. So... Um, that's when I forever became, uh, a person that goes to the emo nights because I love going, dude. It's, it's so fun. Everybody, everybody I take is, is like, this is fun. It's, it's exciting. You, um, you get to hang out with your friends. You get to drink a little bit. You get to release some stress going in the pit and just, you know, just mm-hmm. letting it all out and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's totally acceptable. It's like there's a mosh pit in the club and it's kind of weird, but then it's kind of like, yo, there's a mosh pit at the club. Let's go. <laughs> Like that's tight. <laughs> yeah, because you don't see that at very many places. Like even at the um, at the emo night at uh, at Numbers. Numbers is such a historical mm-hmm. place, and um, we went 
I think it was maybe like the third one that they had, and there really wasn't like a mosh pit. The, the DJ was kind of like, "Hey guys, let's get on the dance floor, let's dance," and everyone was just kind of like chilling, you know. I mean, there were some yeah. people dancing, but it really wasn't like the Barb's vibe, like we all were all used to. Like everybody goes in and starts dancing, and then the pit starts and stuff like that. So it was really different. Like you were saying, each one has a different vibe to it. And not mm-hmm. everyone's the same, but everybody's like kind of in that we're in the emo night community. So yeah, we're all uh, you know making the same party. Like it'd be if there was like ten rap Houston rap nights at the same time. It'd be like okay, well you all are gonna play the same set of Houston rap songs that we all know and love. So what's gonna make it different if there's so many going on at once? Mm-hmm. And like the playlist definitely does matter. I think. You know, one lesson I learned at Rise was people love Barb's because it's dark. Like, you go in Barbarella and it's, you know, the TV screens are really the only light except for the big light in the dance floor area. But the rest of the club is pretty dark. Yeah. By the bar, uh, by both bars, the bar when you walk in and the bar on the other side of the dance floor. If you're sitting in those corners, like, other than the TV screen lights, there's no lights on you. And even dance floor, sometimes the lights are broken and it's dark in there too. So you kind of feel like you can be yourself. You're alone, you know? Yeah. And I think that's why people really come out of their shells for this party. Because if you think about it, it's a bunch of emo kids. Like We're all insecure and a little anxious and kind of like, is this for me? And once you see everyone else having a good time, it's so contagious. Everyone just starts uh, letting it out. And that's what creates that mosh pit. I think it's really hard to do uh, in a space like Rise because it's so spread out. It's huge and it's bright. And you would need like, you know, 800 people in there for it to start to feel like, oh, okay, I'm I'm not the only one here, like screaming into the air. And for some people, they like it because it's not so busy. But to the point, like what makes the Barb's one special is that pit and that energy. You walk in and there's just nothing like it. So, you know, very lucky to have that space. Um, and then again, as a DJ, just playing the uh, the songs in a you know kind of particular order. I try not to play like too much of one band in like 30, 40 minutes. Yeah. Or play, you know, the same exact set list that I played the month before. Like try and keep it up. And also, like, what else is going on with some other songs? that are emo adjacent or modern even that can kind of get people excited if they come a lot or if they like have been to a lot of these, you know, I'm always just trying to think what can make us stand out from all the other emo events as they come and come and go. Yeah. Yeah. I, Cause yeah, I, I can, I can totally agree with that. Like whenever I pay attention to the music, I'm a music junkie. I'm a, I guess uh, I'm a music snob in some way too. When I listen to your playlist, I'm like, okay, this is different. This is not like how it is last month. Because some people can pick out like exactly song for song what DJ is going to play because they're kind of some of them predictable. Um, but when mm-hmm. you when you go out there, it's like, okay, well this is this is a little different than last last month. And he threw in this and he threw in that. So it's like you can never. It's a curveball. You can never tell what what you're going to put it put out next. You know, after one song. Mm-hmm. So. And to keep the anticipation going. And I also like to, you know, 
especially because this was how I used to make my money DJing was off bar sales. Mm-hmm. Well, I had to move the crowd off the dance floor because if they're just staying there dancing and they don't want to leave, then they don't get more drinks, you know? Exactly. So you kind of break the spell with like, mm, I'm going to play this one and the energy is going to drop, but everyone's going to go to the bar. And by the time they get their drinks, like maybe two songs from now, or are about to order their drink, I'll change the music back to like, you know, a whole new build up, so that by the time they get back on the dance floor, because I want them to stay, they're gonna be like, oh, I want to stay for this song. Okay, I'm gonna get another drink. I'm not gonna close out. By the time they get back on the dance floor, we're hitting all the big bangers again. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do, so it's exactly. like a cycle. Yeah, so that that way you're like, okay, dude, this was so fun. Uh, after this drink, let's go do some shots, and then before you know it, it's two a.m. <laughs> like the. Uh, the way I DJ or playlist is basically set so that time flies by and, uh, and everyone's kind of, yeah, being thrown curveballs or being, uh, you know, serve something I didn't serve last month. So they're like, Oh, he doesn't play this song usually, but I requested it or he doesn't play this song usually, but you know, it's definitely a deep fan favorite and all the other people that don't know some of the songs I'm playing or don't care. Are like, let's go to the bar. And bam, you know, right back to the the general party. So um, that's definitely, I think, part of what you're picking up on is, uh, you know, doing things to just kind of break that spell where everyone's singing along for three or four songs in a row and it's been 15 minutes. And you're like, okay, uh, I'm getting tired of yelling. And if I don't, uh, if I just keep banging like hit after hit, then that also gets exhausting, you know? Yeah, because then people are like, I got to go to the bathroom, but he's playing Take It Back Sunday, and it's like, I got to wait, you know? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I got to wait. Okay, well, now I'm just mad because, like, he hasn't given me a break. (laughs) So I'm just going to take it. And then I feel like nothing special anymore, you know? Yeah, it's kind of like a... It's like a give and take. It's like, I can give you this, but I got to give you this, too. It's like... uh... But I got to give you this, too. Yeah, and you're like, oh, okay, but, you know... It's also trying to reach everyone. Like one thing that's insane as this goes on and I didn't predict what happened is like people that are 22, 23 love coming to these emo nights, but I'm 35. Like there's so much time between our high school years that I don't know what they were like when they were 14. I was in my twenties. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. But they, they come like with this understanding of the music that, I had when I was in high school, as well as like the net beat or state champs and these type of bands that I've had to learn to be like, okay, cool. Well, you guys can come. We'll play music for you too that you liked, you know, six years ago when y'all were teenagers. Like, it's pretty crazy. I never thought that I would have to uh, evolve the playlist, but that's also where that like ebb and flow comes is, oh, I don't know this band. And it's like, yeah, because if you're like 28, you probably don't know an emo band that a 22 year old love yeah and if you're my age you definitely feel like <laughs> we're old because like, i, I kind of stopped playing like all the classics <laughs> yeah exactly yeah i kind of like those are real reserves or i play them early now and i'm like okay you know but there's always going to be the big ones like helena or sugar we're going down or something like that that you just got to play it 12 30 yeah. downfall of us all there's just so many good like yeah get ready here's all the the ones on all of our playlists that we jam all week long. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so what got you into DJing? Because, you know, I know some people are like, I got into DJing because of this band or this kind of music. But what got you into DJing? Uh, well, so my dad is a music manager and was a DJ when I was growing up. So, you know, I had turntables and gear when I was in my, like, 10 to 12 years old range. Mm-hmm. And I would play around with that. And by the time I was in middle school, I would like go use my uh, dad's CDJs and play like my friend's pool party. Right. And, uh, I didn't really like it because I felt like I was like doing what my dad does. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if my dad was a mechanic and I'm stuck baking cars all day, I'm either going to love it. Or I'm like, no, this isn't what I want to do. Like I want to go find my own way. So I kind of like had the skill set, but just, moved on and started playing guitar and getting into all this other stuff. And, um, after I got out of high school, I started, um, going on the road with an artist named Frankie J. I uh, had a song called sugar, sugar with baby bash and like a couple of the big songs uh, in the like mid two thousand. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my dad was managing him cause that's like his DJ and radio career took him to meet like different artists. And then he started taking them on. And, uh, when I got out of high school, I went on the tour with Frankie and they needed someone to run their tracks and like be the show DJ. Yeah. So I was like, I'll do it. So I'm like 18 years old, 19 years old, uh, DJing and running the Pro Tools rig for the tour. And then eventually I just was like, you know what? Like, this is easy. It's because I'm this guy's tour DJ, I can go get gigs at other places and just be like, yeah, uh, He's going to come in and I'm going to DJ for like an hour before uh, he comes on and performs and like clubs out. You know, I'm like 19. I'm not even supposed to be in clubs, <laughs> but <laughs> because, because no one expected me that I was that young and I'm with this tour, like it was never an issue. It just was like thrown in, get in the shuttle. The club walks you in through the back and then here you go. Here's the equipment. I'm like, all right, cool. I got this. And that kind of rush made me love DJing, but DJing emo music, was uh, just kind of made sense to me when I saw the party in L.A. in 2015. So I went to one because I was living there at the time. And uh, Mark Hoppus was DJing and, like, a couple other people. And this was, like, Emo Night L.A.'s, like, first big party at the Echoplex because they used to be at a small bar there for, like, mm-hmm. two months before they moved on to the bigger event yeah. because they had such a hit. They had, like, a huge line at their first one. So I saw it, and I was like, this is cool, but these guys aren't DJs. Like they don't understand DJing. That's okay. I want to talk to them and see if like what their plan is. And I met, I met with them and they were telling me, you know, they're trying to trademark emo night and they want to go to other cities and expand and like be like the emo night brand, which they've nailed. Uh, and I said, well, if you guys need help in Texas, you know, that's where I'm from. There's some clubs there that I think these would be great at. So I'd love to help like set you guys up down in Texas and be a part of the team. And they kind of were like, yeah, whatever guy, like get out of here. We don't know who you are. All right, I'll go do it myself. (laughs) So I moved from LA after talking to Barbarella about it. I was like, Hey, you know, um, there's this email night concept I came across in LA, but I loved that music when I was younger. And I think I know like how I can get all the music videos, uh, made for the club and I can get different edits and I'll work on them and I'll create them and like 
just give me a, an off night and I think we can make it popular. So I did an event called Jimmy Wednesday here in Austin. And that was the first one. And that was in July of 2015. And the popularity was like through the roof. And then, yeah, and I got all the videos. I got all the stuff made. I did what I planned and just kind of felt like I created a time machine in there. And so the club loved it and said, well, you do it at our Houston one. I was like, yeah, I'm from Houston. So I think if you let me just put out some uh, Facebook posts on your page for the Houston one and on my own personal and my Instagram, like I think word will spread that there's an email night at your club there and it should, you know, grow. And that's exactly what happened. It just kind of like was word of mouth. Have you guys heard about this, this emo night thing they do at the Barbarella downtown? You got to check it out. And I was lucky enough to be able to like read the crowd and know how to, you know, be a DJ so that I could, uh, turn it into what it's become. Just like give everyone what they want, read, like, listen to the critics, but also realize when they don't understand what I'm trying to do here is not celebrate like the real sappy parts of emo, which I love too. Like I love American football and I love sunny day real estate and like the OG stuff or get up kids. It's what I liked when I was younger. Mm -hmm. But if you hear it in a club, it's like that stuff was made for your like 98 Honda Civic. (laughs) <laughs> like the speaker, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah, it, yeah. it's not, it's not going to bang or sound good in a club. Like even some of the early taking back Sunday records, I'm glad they remastered. And I updated the files to have the remastered audio just cause like it really makes a difference when you listen to it that loud and you try and dance and sing to it. It's gotta be the fun stuff. You know, you definitely can play some slower songs like a dashboard song or ghost of you or like, uh, if it means a lot to you by a day to remember songs like that, they go off because they're like big sing along anthems, even if they're not jolting energy. But sometimes I feel like I play an American football B side or like deep cut and (laughs) everyone's just standing around waiting for it to end. (laughs) So, you know, like I, it, it was learning that shit and just knowing like as a DJ, like it's not about me. Cause at that point I had so much experience in the club. It's just about giving people, the party they want, yeah. like make them feel like they got to control the Oxford because everything they wanted to hear was, was played and like within reason, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, that's really it. Like there's a long history of DJing enough to understand crowd control and just like, uh, curation. And, um, I think that's kind of really the secret sauce behind, uh, why our, our emo nights are like this, uh, you know, we don't have, I don't have to say anything on the mic. I rarely talk because like the music's doing it all for us. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. So like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, the part I'm never like, I need y'all to come up or let's do those hands pop. Right. It all happens organically. Yeah. Everyone's like tuned in. I'm just like, yep, this song, this song, let's do this next. And just looking at song titles over and over and playing them in my head. You know, it's a really crazy thing to think about. And I don't often talk about it. I think it's one of the first times I've ever talked about it. I just kind of do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, so. I'm getting into DJing. I've been wanting to do it for a long time, but I just never really had, I guess, the money for the equipment. But like I said, I love music mm-hmm. and music is going through my head all the time. And I interviewed mm-hmm. um, 
uh, a DJ or he's also a producer. His name is Principe Q. Um, he's the nephew of Selena. I had him. Oh on the yeah, podcast. I know yeah. him. Yeah, and um, we were talking, and I, I told him I was like, "Yeah, man, I'm getting into DJing too and stuff like that." And it's like with me every day, I'm like, I listen to music, but I'm like, this song can go with this, and this matches with this, and this and this and that. Like, the, like, the, like it's like a vibe in my head for some reason. So I definitely like understand from a different point of view, like what you're doing and like the whole chemistry with like we have the uppers and then we have the downers but it's reason for that mm-hmm. because you know hey they gotta go and spend the money go get the drinks and then we bring them back up again with the big bangers like panic at the disco and all them so i totally get like exactly. the whole chemistry dude and i love seeing just like how everything is like playing out because i'll stand there mm-hmm. and i'm like okay let's see what's gonna happen now and then like it happens and it, it's so it's science. <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> it, it really is science, man. It's, it's like, um, I don't know, just crowd control. I feel like I'm a, like a wizard up there casting spells. And it's like a spell book that kind of all these emo nights have access to. Yeah. But I'm just like, yeah, I think if we throw it in this particular order, we'll get everyone to react the way we need them to. So that the machine just like works throughout the night and everyone leaves having a good time. Try not to to cloud it too much with you know uh, effects like we have the lights and we have the fog, but I don't really use like the air horns or anything that like kind of builds that you know false sense of hype. Mm-hmm. It's like it's all coming from just the MP3. It's like the song is so good it can make this whole room of people lose their mind. Exactly, and I've been there before. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you're like, it's the science of that. Like just knowing like, okay, we're going to do this and we're going to end with this song. So that way they crescendos and then we'll build it back again. And like, that's true for all, like all genres. Like you do that when you're doing hip hop DJ, you definitely do it when you're doing EDM sets. Like, you know, the songs are built to have the rise and fall of emotion. I find this genre particularly hard because you have to play like, four minutes of the song you don't you don't get like a short edit you know yeah exactly people pe- people want to hear the whole thing so you really got to restrain yourself to be like man i want to cut it so i can fit more songs in but i'm also like the song is just good as is. we don't need to do anything to it there's another night i would do a barbarella that was like kanye night or drake night mm-hmm. or just like a houston rap night and it was the same thing like part of me wanted to cut the verses or you know move around but because people are hearing songs they normally don't get to hear in a club they're excited to get through like all three verses of still tipping or you know each verse of a drake song and all the features like listen to it the way you listen to it at home mm-hmm. instead of like trying to get there i'm like i'm gonna play the whole thing and people are gonna be st- like stoked about it because i'll play another song after that that gets them to a new level of hype you know and just do it the same way I do an emo night where like it's all planned and the science is there. So it's definitely a philosophy on it like that I have and I've seen, cause I, like I said, I've been DJing since I was a little kid or just being at parties and watching people react to them. Yeah. I'd, like I said, I, I'm the same way. I, 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 uh, I like watching all that and just watching how like the crowd moves. And like I said, it's it's a science and you pretty much are a wizard up there. You and, and the rest of the guys, you guys are like the the DJ wizards. You 
cast a spell all over the crowd. Everybody just goes wild. Everybody goes insane. Everybody's having a good time. Everybody's sweating. Everybody's just so it. You are pretty much mm -hmm. a DJ wizard. <laughs> there. Yeah, I know. I messed up not going by that, <laughs> but it's all good. <laughs> so you said you're originally from here, right? From Houston, right? Yeah. So my uh, my dad was from Houston. My mom's from El Paso, and. Uh, they met while he was living out there. And then when they moved to town or back to Houston, she followed him. Um, I was born like around that time. So born in Houston. Then we lived there until I was about six or seven. Then I moved to San Antonio for a bit and El Paso for a little bit. By the time I'm like 11, we're back in uh, the suburbs of Houston mm -hmm. instead of like the, you know, inner city parts. And uh, moved out to Sugarland and just kind of spent my teenage years there. I would drive in town to go to see, you know, Warp Tour. I'd go in town to see bands at Fat Cats or Walters or Mary Jane's used to be Fat Cats too with numbers. So like, it was a it was a pretty interesting time to me to be like a suburban kid. I think for everyone in the suburbs of Houston, um, and and go see these bands. And these shows in Houston definitely had its own flavor of uh, of music too in that genre. We had like a punk and hardcore scene, which just I think still does exist there, but not like it was back then. Uh, there was a big uh, emo scene too. Like I don't know if you remember a band called The Armada in 2007. I think from I do. Houston. I think I do. Yeah. So that band, like uh, I had helped producer get their records produced rather and signed them to this little label I was starting and I got their song on KRBE and started helping them like grow their brand within the city mm -hmm. we got them a music video put on MTV2 and MTV and like it was really you know set up like they were going to be something big from that scene in Houston and uh, it just kind of you know uh, didn't didn't pan out because it was like, I think I was a little young and inexperienced and they wanted to like, you know, break rank and go do other things. And we just kind of disagreed on who should be the leader or how to approach it all. So all of our egos kind of beat the shit before it even took off the, the pier, you know? But, uh, but point being, uh, living in Houston at that time and doing all that type of stuff to watch it grow, like, also definitely gave me insight into, you know, knowing the crowd there and what people are like in that city and what songs and what, you know, bands in particular people seem to be really fond of, especially in Houston. Cause it's, the playlist is different from the one in Austin yeah. because there's such a different uh, culture in Houston. Yeah. I've been wanting to go to the one in Austin because every time like we have ours here, it's like, okay, this can't be topped. And then I see like the highlights of the one in Austin. I'm like, fuck. It's like, I need to go to the one in Austin. Oh. <laughs> so the one in Austin is like, is my like ultimate vision of what these things can be. Mm -hmm. I'm referred to it as a circus. Cause we've got like three attractions. So in Austin, it's the emo night inside Barbarella, very similar to the emo night inside Barbarella in Houston. Yeah. But then there's a venue attached to Barbarella here called Swan Dive. And so it's a little room next door. Um, I say little, but it's like 150, 200 cap room. And uh, we do emo karaoke in there. And in the beginning of the year, 
once we started doing it, I had like a drum kit on stage and like fake guitars and stuff like that. Well, they were guitars, but they weren't plugged in anything. Yeah. And I wanted it to feel so like you were playing rock band with your friends, but uh, no one really used them. So uh, we just took it away and gave people the whole stage so they could like dance around and sing, probably bring their friends up. But uh, that attraction people really like now because they get to, you know, look at the karaoke list and there's a whole crowd of people in that bar that are just like cheering you on and singing with you until you get to live your like rock star dream. I think that adds a huge element to like how much fun these parties could be. Yeah. And then on the outside part of Barbarella, there's a big patio that we pay for the PA system to come in and get set up. So we build like, they have a stage. We just put all the other things that need to be set up for live bands. And then we put bands out on the back patio there. So you can go out and see like, Oh shit, there's dudes playing music out here. It's like a local band playing. And that, you know, is good for the scene here because a lot of these bands get to play to people that will like their music and, you know, don't know they exist. So it's good promotion for the bands and they get paid and just kind of create like a little community there of emo kids. I think that's really what makes it, you know, the, uh, the ultimate experience if you're like, yeah. You're getting all three levels at once. You can have a microphone and take over and sing, or you can just go in the crowd and mosh and dance and sing. Or you can go out back and watch someone, someone else do it, you know, and see a new band and like expose yourself to new music. So it's very cool. It's a, it's like the vision for what I would take if I were to take these on the road mm-hmm. and do like a Texas emo tour. But see, I'd still rather keep it here. Like that's my vision is, go up to Amarillo, go down to Corpus, go over to El Paso, go up to Dallas and kind of like hit some of the other cities and markets and be like, Hey, look, we have a emo night with a few bands on it. We're going to be in your town. And like, it's definitely going to be more than the other things you've seen. uh, These emo nights do. And I want to do it in Houston too, but it is hard to beat how fun Barbarella's room is. Like I said, Mm -hmm. People love how dark it is in there. There's not a lot of clubs like it in Houston. No, not really. I mean, I no. I was gonna say numbers, but numbers is, is pretty lit up. Some <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, it's also huge. Yeah, it's a huge, huge place. Yeah, yeah. We need like a tight dance floor. <laughs> yeah. So um, that like 200 people feel swamped. Yeah, dude. Because I, it's like when I was saying about like the whole Austin thing, I've. I've been to the one in Barbarella in Austin and um, it is, I like, it's a little more spacious. It's a little more like, I guess the dimensions a little more different, but um, I can see like how you're like, you're saying like your vision, like you have people that can do the karaoke. Then you can be like, okay, I'm tired. Let's go dance and let's have fun. And then, Hey, let's go check out this band that works. Cause mm-hmm. like Austin is the live music capital of the world pretty much. So it's like, it, it fits in perfectly with everything right there. So, right. Yeah. It makes an attraction. Like you want to go, you know, I think we're kind of becoming a tourist thing for sure is what it feels like. People tell us they come from like Oklahoma or Portland because they've heard about it or their friends have told them and they like made a special trip just to check it out. Yeah, I've also had other podcasters from like Austin. They were like, "Hey, have you heard of this emo night out here?" I'm like, "Yeah, I got to the one in Houston." They're like, "You should really come to the one in Austin." There's one in Houston. <laughs> yeah, there's <laughs> people like, "There's like what?" And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah." I mean, 
of course. Because um, I had one pos- one podcaster. She was like, I've been listening to your podcast. I know you talk about email night all the time. And she was like, there's one out here in Austin. You should really come check it out. It's really fun. And I was like, I, that's one of the things I want to do because I have family out there. And I'm like, dude, go to the one in Austin. Go to emo night. They're like, oh, we live in so. And I'm like, just go. Fuck it. You live 30 minutes away. Just go have fun. Don't get fucked up, but let's yeah. go f- have fun. I mean, I go and I don't even have to drink. And I'm like, I'm gone. Yeah. I'm just having so much fun singing you know, moshing. And I mean, you could see us down there, you know, from the throne, you just, we're just having a good mm-hmm. nice time. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, sometimes I'll, I like to jump down. I'm like, I'm going to crowd search this thing. I'm just I'm feeling myself tonight. I'm drunk. Let's go. I'm a stage dive. And, uh, I used to let other people do it. Like I'd be like, who wants to take a leap of faith on the mic? And then there'd be a line of people just waiting to like climb and jump off the little table. Yeah. But since COVID hit and a couple other things at the bar, I'm like, uh, maybe we wait till we let everyone else just kind of get that rush. But yeah, no, you could see from where I'm standing, like all the hands in the air and people smiling and the way people mosh, they like really take care of each other. It is yeah. very rare that I feel like the people in the mosh pit are just being violent for no reason. No, they're, they're and, like trying some, to hurt people. There are some that, yeah, are for sure. you know, most of us are like, Hey dude, chill out. You know, you know, cause like we don't want anybody else to get hurt. I mean, if you're going yeah, there yeah, and you're, you're drunk and you're, some people are aggressive and it's like, we, we already can sense those people are like, Hey, just chill, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It polices itself very well. There's a good group mentality and everyone seems to be in the same thing. And that's really another reason originally I even started charging a cover cause they used to be free since I was making my money off the bar sales. I didn't really, you know, care yeah. to charge. And the bar was like, yeah, it's Tuesday. Let's keep it free. But once it got so popular, people would come like off the street or especially here in Austin, uh, you know, from the other bars, just cause it was something to do. They didn't really care about the music or the people in it. Yeah. That's when we were kind of like, I think we have to charge just cause like people will come in here and get mad that they're getting pushed or get mad that, you know, or come in to push people. Yeah. Rather. So it's like, Hey, if we have a door cover, then it kind of stops people from just coming in to hurt each other or to try and hurt, you know, people that are that are here having a good time so uh yeah it's definitely something that you know we we do keep an eye on but i since the cover's been there and a lot of those people have left i feel like most people that are there want to be there and so they do a good job being like hey we don't do that shit here we treat each other with kindness like we're having fun this isn't come push strangers night at the club you know and watch them break their legs like no if someone falls pick them up everyone chill out we good okay cool back to the party you know yeah because without noticed, stopping the music yeah i've noticed ever since your guy started charging like like you said the more of those people that would come and be like aggressive stop going because like i said we've been going for years and mm-hmm. there's some of the crowd that i used to see you know the regulars that would go and they're not there anymore but most of them will be the like the aggressors they would be drunk and start like don't even know where they're at and start pushing people and stuff like that. But I don't see that much anymore because y'all started charging. So, I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's a good thing. Like you said, you know, and I know a lot of people were kind of like, not disappointed, but kind of like, Oh, you guys are charging. But I mean, yeah. you know, the only, re- I know why you guys were charging is like, Hey, let's, let's kind of try to build some money back. Cause you know, with whole COVID everything, that kind of fucked up everything for everybody. So, yeah. Cause I don't know if you, if you followed 
the awesome page that I had, but I turned it into something called Streamo Night mm-hmm. to yeah. try and at least make yeah make some money doing uh, these type of parties during COVID, and that was really like. That support from that community alone made me be like, yeah, I think if I take this back to the real world, like we should, you know, believe in our value and, and the brand. And I kind of stopped treating it like, uh, you know, it was fine when I was doing it as a DJ, but once I lost the normal revenue and income of like doing these in my nights and was forced to rethink it on the other side of it, I was like, well, yeah, it's been a year since I've done it. And if I'm going to go back to the club, like I was making more streaming from my kitchen than I was making getting paid to throw those big parties. Yeah. And I felt like, uh, you know, if I could get some money from it and build a, a whole promotion company around it, then I could level up the quality of everything we do. And that's kind of where I'm at now. And that's what I meant when I'm like, I'm looking at the year and all the things I've tried and seeing like, okay, we could, we could compete with these national touring brands and do it better because I'm from, you know, the market. Yeah. I live, I'm a Texan through and through. So I know like what certain songs go off way more than like someone from New York who looks at the playlist of songs and goes, let's just play these. I'm like, Oh, you're I'm missing out. Like down here in Texas, Flyleaf was everything. Yeah. Play a Flyleaf song. It's going to go off like way bigger than you would think, you know? And that just that type of knowledge or that type of approach to it alone, I think separates us on top of adding, like I said, the other attractions, the karaoke, um, the live bands and just all these elements. So now that we're able to, you know, take the door money and pay for the production of, of the stage in Austin or, you know, pay for uh, a few other DJs. So it's not just me pay for better looking merchandise and just like, more of an experience when you walk in to our events than just like, uh, oh, it's, it's emo night at Barbarella and, you know, it's fun. But now we're able to, to really take what we're doing and elevate it so that it's even more fun yeah. because there's more thought and time put into it. I'm not just there working for the bar. I get to create an experience at the bar. So yeah. it's like you're definitely paying into it by supporting it. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, I've I've seen it grow to like to what it is now, and it's awesome, dude. That like you guys are are are, are doing that, or making this thing like not just another night, but like an experience for some people who don't get to come out on Tuesdays and they get to have fun with their friends and relive high school or middle school. And um, mm-hmm. it's just a it's 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 a great thing. Like I said, it's great to see you guys blowing up and growing and 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 getting to like a a better like a status like you know like like i said yeah you know so. i feel like it's deserved you know did does it feel like selling out a little bit of course like it was more fun when it was free because it was free yeah but you know uh now that we're forced to kind of look at everything like okay well if i'm going to keep doing this after five or six years and i'm watching eight more pop up that charge more than i charge i'm like I guess we should at least charge something so that way, like we could, we could compete with them because they're making their money. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they're able to, to elevate the experience because that's how they built their business. And that's just how I didn't originally build the emo nights. But after all the time I put into them, I'm like definitely going to give people a lot for, you know, 
the cost of admission. Yeah. Have it's you... going to be a show. And that Barbara one's definitely an experience, unlike any of the other ones in town. Yeah. Have you been to any of the other ones, that um, the other Emonites around town? Yeah. Um, I haven't been to the one at Numbers, but uh, one of my friends, Manny, or, uh, you know, yeah, Manny's a friend, but I just met him this year. He's so young, it's weird to say, like, I have a 21-year-old friend. But, uh, yeah, he's uh, someone that kind of, like, just came up and started talking to me at the club and telling me how much he wants to DJ emo nights and, you know, can he just hang out and observe me? Yeah. And I kind of let him, you know, mentored him and told him why I do certain things. And he started doing the one that numbers uh, as, like, a guest DJ. Yeah. Because they were, you know, rotating them. And uh, he told me, like, yeah, he's taken everything I've taught him and kind of put it there. And I'll see videos from him of, like, you know, him doing some of the things I taught him. And he's like, yeah, look, it worked. They're all dancing and singing and jumping around. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, you're getting it. So I feel like that one, uh, if it was just him, maybe it would be. I, I mean, I don't know. From the videos I've seen, it looks like it's fun and very comparable to the Barbarella one. Mm -hmm. But you also said you went and people were kind of just chilling, standing on the wall still. So if it is that, my guess is that they have different DJs and it's, and Manny's sending me the videos when he's playing or he's doing, you know, the tricks I taught him. And so he's like, yeah, this is working. Like it looks like it's fun. So I haven't been to that one, but that's been my experience of it or what I've seen. So I feel like it's a good thing. And people like it. Uh, our rise one, obviously I go to, and I hear the feedback of people being like, it's just not Barbarella. And that's true. That's why we're trying the event we're doing tomorrow, which is, uh, you know, we got some cover bands since Halloween mm -hmm. and one's doing my chemical romance. One's doing Mayday parade and another band. They're actually really, really, really good. They're called blue heaven. They're, uh, doing a Joyce Manor cover set. So we have that element because Rise has a stage and we can do live bands in there. Mm -hmm. And then it's still an emo night, you know, going on. And we'll just cut the music because it's easy to go back and forth there uh, with the way their PAs are set up. It's like, okay, this song ends and now the band's on stage, bam, like right into it. And so um, we're going to try that there. And that'll be the first time we do like a really different version of emo night uh, at Rise. And then I'm excited to see how that goes. Last thing is I haven't been to Scout Bar. And then the other ones, uh, Emo Night LA and Emo Night Brooklyn, uh, I've been to those uh, a lot of places. Like in Chicago, gone to them. I've gone to them in LA. I've gone to them in Brooklyn. I've gone to them here in Austin when they come through just to check them out and see what's different. So yeah. I definitely do like, you know, uh, try and keep tabs on the ones going. I just heard about the one at Scout Bar, so I don't know what that's like. But, you know, from playing in bands and going down to Scout Bar back in the day, I imagine it's uh, it's got its own scene. It's probably, you know, yeah, uh, I'm what people sure out there are like. Yeah, exactly. I, I can't imagine it does bad. I think it's probably the, uh, you know, exactly what you want it to be at Scout Bar. Yeah. More of the heavy stuff and just a lot tougher all around. Um, then there's another one, isn't there? Uh, felt emo at the tavern. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know worst nightmare. He's a friend of my cousin. I think they work together on some stuff. And, uh, 
you know, those look like they're uh, also its own scene. And it's uh, a lot of the uh, emo rappers are like emo rap adjacent type music. Mm -hmm. So like screaming with 808s and, you know, just really out there music. But it's also kind of tight. So I get it. Uh, I want to do an emo rap night too now. I'm like, yeah, that could be fun. I see what they're trying to do. So, you know, just watching all these different ideas and people do things or do their own thing, like, it's inspiring and I like it. It's just, uh, you know, it does saturate the general market because most people, when you say emo night, they don't realize that there's like so many different variations of one. Mm-hmm. There's so many different people trying it and that there is a difference. And that's what I think my goal next year is just like, really make it clear like oh no we do these emo nights and it's this experience and this is what you'll get when you come to ours so look for you know our logo on stuff or you know if someone's telling you to go to one and they're like it's ours like that would be way bigger to me than like just come to barbarella you know yeah it's like oh no you gotta go to text emo club ones like those ones are fun yeah because i was follow them on go go ahead go ahead (laughs) I'll just say, yeah, just follow, just follow them on social media. Like, you know, like that's a, that's a win for me. And I think that's really what we're after now. It's just like making it clear that, you know, our brand sticks out after all these years with the experience I have doing them, that we're, we're giving people a, a party that they won't forget. Exactly. Cause like they want to go to again. I keep coming every month. So <laughs> I keep coming back every month. So it's like, I'd like, yeah, yeah that's great. So, yeah. You makes know, you feel good. I support you guys. You know, when we first started going, I would like, you know, when they were free, I would get there early so we can get the buttons. Mm-hmm. But I would also stay, drink, have a good time. And even when COVID was happening and you started doing streamo nights, I supported you guys during that too. You know, I streamo mm-hmm. nights were crazy. I mean, just people being like in their home and then like being in the shower, then like wearing a motorcycle helmet, like the next. And I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, we really opened up a box. I was yeah. like, oh, I think the world would like something like this if we could figure out a different way to present it or to grow it. So I really I really do want to go back to doing it because I think there are people that would love what we do but will never go out. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I don't know the legality of it all, but to me, the ultimate vision is like a stream of vision in the club where people are at home and you're like, what the hell? And it's like, you can see them singing along on the screens and you're like, damn dude, I think we're like in a live stream. That would <laughs> like be all these cool. people. That would be pretty cool. Like yeah. On the screen, like you yeah. See, like, and they could see yeah. us. Yeah. yeah. And they could see the club, like the dance floor, everyone on the dance floor cam, when they see themselves on TV, they're like, Oh shit. It's like being on Jumbotron, but <laughs> through the internet. Yeah. You know, cause whatever happened when people were home and looking at the screens, like, it inspired them to just do out there shit. Like I'm going to go get my chicken coffee and come back and dance in my living room on camera for strangers. Yeah. It was definitely <laughs> crazy, you know, cause we would, yeah. we would watch it. Me and my girlfriend, like we wanted to come on with, I would hook up the computer to the TV and we'd watch it and we would just watch all these people just, just do like outrageous things, but it was so fun. Cause it's like, everybody's doing something different. Everybody's feeling the vibe, you know, through online and we're just having a good time. And it's like, we're having more fun than we do in the club, you know, and we're doing it 
through at home. screen at home through a screen. So those were fun. Yeah. Dude. Those were fun. Yeah. To me, it was the, uh, it was the same science that you take to the, you know, the club mentality and like with the home element of Streamo, I thought it was just cool. Cause it could get you there. I would even find myself being like, yo, I'm wasted. Like I've been <laughs> partying in my kitchen by myself, sitting here dancing and singing and I'm having fun. Like these, I know these people are having fun because I can feel it. Like we're, we're all connected with the stream. And like, it's just like being in the club. It's like, we're all connected through the music and going, I like the song. You like the song. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> we're best friends now. Like in that moment, it's, it's just all love and joy. Yeah, it's really cool to see. It's really cool to feel. There's nothing like it. Yeah, dude. My girlfriend's made friends through Streamo nights that you know that end up like she talks to and she hangs out with, and then they come to you know the one at Barbarella. They go, so it's mm-hmm. like she's made friends through Streamo nights. So that's that's always cool, yeah. you know. I think that was the coolest thing. And my sister met her boyfriend through the streams, and like just some people like were hooking up through the streams during COVID, like. <laughs> Damn, I mean, you know, just meeting people. And it was a good way to meet people. The same way going to it at the actual club is a good way to meet people. Because you already have something so intense in common. Which is like a love for emo music and the culture. And just like, you know, no matter what you do these days, it means we had a very similar childhood. That's kind of what I meant when I was talking about growing up in the suburbs. Yeah. And like, you know, we all drove to shows or go to work tour and try to explain emo to like, other kids at school or your parents just seem like, uh, you only get it if you get it. Exactly. And when you go to the parties, it's like a room full of people who get it. Like, Oh damn, we're all the same person. That's cool. Yeah. Duke, for me growing up, um, I didn't discover emo until, well, I'm like, I'm 28. So I, I got into email like mm-hmm. around 2004, 2005. And it's all thanks to my cousin, Lisa. Cause one night we were hanging out and she turned on Fuse and, you know, Fuse and VH1 back in the day in MTV were lit with like Hawthorne Heights and My Chemical Romance. So she, mm-hmm. she put on Hawthorne Heights and I was like, who the fuck is Hawthorne Heights? And I was like jamming to the song. And then yeah. when I would stay home. I would just watch Fuse. And that's when I got into like My Chemical Romance, Fall Out Boy, um, Panic at the Disco when it first came out. And, you know, I, I was like, OK this is my life now. I am emo and Mm -hmm. people didn't understand it. You know, growing up in school and my parents were like, why do you, why do you, I'm like, this is just, you don't get it, mom. It's not a phase, you know, that that whole dramatic teenager thing. But it was like, I don't know. It's, it's funny because it's like, it is the teenage experience. If you don't understand me, you know, it's funny to look back at and it's like, Oh, we were such teenagers, but, uh, that that culture, that music, and that point in time, like now you have the internet, so it's all filtered in a crazy way. But Fuse was such a massive platform to get this music out. Like without Fuse, I don't know that it would have became the like you know big staple in culture that it became. Like I don't think Fall Out Boy would have transcended to top forty radio if it wasn't like the first album. You know, Grand Theft Auto music video wasn't played on Fuse or given access to like, you know, suburban kids or kids who are lucky enough to have cable in their home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and be like, I'm going to put this on. Hell yeah. This channel rules. <laughs> I just mean, found it. It looks like you found it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was I, something you could discover. I was one of those kids, you know, and like with Fall Out Boy, 
coming up, this was like after Under the Court Dream. So this was like Infinity on High. So now they're like top 40 band and you know their songs are right. played Jay-Z's on the first yeah. song yeah <laughs> and I, I i got into that and it was like like i said i was like this is this is me now you know this is it, whatever you knew is different and um you know in like high school years and stuff like that yeah. i felt yeah, like yeah they changed our lives yeah they changed our lives and there was there was more people that understood me and they're like i like that band mm-hmm. too and then it was like okay well i'm not alone and then even when I got older, I mean, I got into more different music and stuff like that. But like emo music has that like special place in my heart because it's when I was growing up and, you know, we all feel like the emotions, like nobody understands us and nobody cares and nobody, you know, mm-hmm. we all felt that. So it's like emo. That's why I think emo night at Barbarella, Texas Emo Club is like the way it is. It's so huge and like people like love it. You know, and it's like it's been there for them, and it's like this is me because it's like I remember this, and it's like other people who understand me. So it's like they feel like they're not alone. They feel like they're like thirteen year old kid in high school again. You know? Yeah, and it, it's it's the party we never had. You know, none of us went to parties. Well, maybe not all of us, but most of us <laughs> were <laughs> were chilling at home, not going to parties and being emo. So it's fun to be an adult and be like, oh, I like going out to bars now and having drinks. And we're not such awkward kids. We're like, we still kind of are. That's why I think the wallflower thing is so funny. Mm-hmm. I think my favorite thing about emo night is like nine to 10, even when it was free, like no matter how busy it was, it's like, it's going to take a minute for everyone to kind of get comfortable here. And then by like 10, 30, 11, it's like, okay, everyone's got a few drinks in them. The song has been fire. Like we're ready party's about to be crazy and sure enough you know like clockwork exactly Midnight hits and people are crowd surfing and it's, it's all in everyone's into the party so it's uh it's cool to be able to just go to the bar and be like yeah i like this and not feel like uh any of that social anxiety that you would have had when you were like 15 at a party like this you know yeah yeah so I think it's cool. I think it's just a cool uh, way that we can all connect and hang out and uh, bond. I think it's the best word every month. That's why I called it the club. Because mm-hmm. I was like, it really is a club. Like, not just in the sense that it's at a nightclub, but like, you either get it or you don't. And so, you know, if you were an emo kid and you're in the emo club, literally and, you know, figuratively, yeah, you're 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 one of us, and then you're also here at the club. Like speakers blaring, lights on, fog machines, shots, and like now, you know, to an even crazier extent, like I have them in places like Rise or this nightclub here in Austin called Summit, which is like a like a rooftop nightclub that like Afrojack plays at, or mm-hmm. you know Benny Benassi and shit. You're like these are EDM legends, <laughs> and come on another night, and I'm in there playing Taking Back Sunday and Brand New and shit. And everyone's like, yeah. It's just so, it's such a juxtaposition, you know, because it's like big club speakers, big club lights and sound and energy. But the music is like, like I said, sometimes I feel like it was made for your, you know, Honda Civic back in the day. Yeah. It didn't have the best speaker system. It's like, it didn't, it didn't need to sound good because it's not like all of us were rolling around with, great sound systems in our teenage cars. I know I wasn't. It just was loud. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, you know, that 
being in those intense spaces, like hearing this music is pretty wild to think about, but the party itself just like it lives within us. So it's just cool to unleash that when we all get together and throw these events. Nothing that's the best thing about it. Yeah. It's worth like busting my back and hanging out and driving across the state, like putting this together. Mm-hmm. Even when I don't want to do it, I'm like, no, nah, man, it's just like, it's going to be fun. Even when there's days where I'm like, I'm so burnt out or exhausted because I've been doing this, you know, for so many months in a row. I, I've only missed one when I finally did take a vacation over the past six years and like not make it to an emo night that I'm throwing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the fatigue is for, is real, but at the end of the day, like seeing everyone dance and sing and unleashing that energy, like, yeah, I, it's like, I'm addicted to it. So, yeah, I'll always be there wanting to do it. And I'm really grateful that, um, people seem to reciprocate the passion I have for it. Yeah, man. By exactly. coming out every month. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like I said, I'll be there. My girlfriend will be there. I always bring in new friends and stuff like that. So it's like, we'll always be there. And you should put that on the t-shirt, Texas, uh, Texas emo club music to bang in your 98 civic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just a beat up car. Yeah. But like, yeah, the guy on the, yeah, that is a cool idea. I'm gonna put that on this mood board from the artist that we use. <laughs> so where did you come up with the idea for the pins? Cause I know like, the pins are a big deal to a lot of people. It's like, they got to get there early to get the pins. Like what came up with that idea? Okay. Uh, that tow truck company's here, but this is where we should start when I call you back. Is that cool? All right. Yeah. Okay. Is okay, that guys, the same question? Take, yeah. Yeah. We'll take the same question. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. So yeah, the pins, uh, everything. The question was, why did I come up with them? Yeah, okay. Like, 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 like uh, what came up with the idea with the pins? Cause like I was saying, they're like a big deal to people. Like they want to get there early so they can get them. Uh, I think it was this idea, like, uh, you know, from the jump, like, how could I be a little bit different than the ones that I knew were going to start popping up or like set myself apart. And like, I saw the little pins as badges. Like if I put one out every month and you came to that event for that month and you got a pin, then, you know, over time, if I kept doing it, I saw the idea of, you know, manifesting itself like oh, people will really like them because they'll be like, I went to that one and I went to this one and it just was something people could collect to like remember, you know, that they were at the event. And the cool thing was, I think, we didn't have much of a social media presence. Mm -hmm. So it really became like, if you know, you know. It's like another layer to the party. Like if you knew that there were pins early or you happened to, you know, follow us on social media back then or... uh, just kind of really love the event, then you would unlock different things like, yeah, oh, they have buttons and you got to get there early to get them. There's only a few. And, you know, they don't really put the design out until a week before. It just was a lot of like, uh, I think that would be cool. So I'm going to do it and see what happens. It just was uh, an idea I had in my head. It wasn't really like a well thought out. It mm-hmm. just kind of was, um, I think if I do this, people will love it. So I'm just going to try it. And if they don't, then, you know, after a few months, I just won't do it anymore. But I'd say by like, you know, halfway through the year, the first year of doing it, I definitely noticed people coming early to, to grab the pins and be like, I'm so excited. Oh, I love this design. Oh, this is going on my bag. Or like, look, I have all of them. I've been 
Like people really wear them as badges of honor. Like it, it just kind of took on a meaning of its own. And this year was hard to get them rolling back so like as fluidly as I was last year or before COVID mm-hmm. because the pin manufacturer I used, you know, also had shortages and lost employees. So I used to be able to order them about a week before the event and they would get here, uh, like the day of, uh, emo night at Barbarella that first Tuesday of the month. Yeah. They would get to my apartment here in Austin. I'd be like, great. Now I could put them in the bag and like, I'm going to head on to Houston. So I would nail my like delivery time to like that exact moment. And I kind of got used to delaying my order to like the last week of the month. So I could get it at the beginning of the first week of the month. Mm-hmm. And, uh, this year I like really missed a few dates and like, there were some months where people would come out like, no, I don't have the pins yet. Sorry. And like, it kind of lost its footing, mm-hmm. but I just ordered them on Monday and they're here already. Oh, wow. So yeah, he's definitely back on his game. So I feel like we'll really elevate the pins now because we've elevated everything else. I used to just use like clip art, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Yeah. come up with something and be like, I don't know. I'm not an artist. I'll just try and use this thing or like do the best I can with my Photoshop skills to, you know, have some sort of art on the pen. But now I think the pens will really become something because they'll always be free and we're going to put sick ass art on it. And, you know, they already have that cool, like matte feel to them. Yeah. So, uh, you know, this next year, like I said, as we, get back into things in 2022 we'll really have uh, that part of the night like stressed again like come early because we'll have pins and here's a picture of the pins and you know what i mean mm-hmm. just more hype so people are even more aware because i think the followers i have now is the most most i've ever had on the page for this night once i moved it from just you know emo night houston page and an emo night and austin page and Streamo Night page, like, I thought, maybe I should just call it one brand, and that would be easier for everyone to follow. Mm-hmm. I was trying to be too clever. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, now that I do have it as Texas Emo Club, and that's the thing, and that's what the pins say, and that's what the pins have been saying for a few years now, I just hadn't decided what to brand any of this under. And so, you know, now that we have that, I feel like we'll really come with it and make people aware like, oh, hey, we have pins, and if you knew, you knew, but now, like, everyone get there early, here they are, and really, really push that back to a big part of the event, because I think it has a lot of meaning yeah, to people. it does, because like I said, I I was the one that would get there, like, super early, and, like, wait in line to get the pin, and, like, dude, I have, like, a, a shoebox full of, like, the pins from, like, previous emo nights, and my girlfriend's like, don't you have too many pins? And I'm like, no. I need these. Yeah. These, are, these are like yeah. these are badges of honor because it's like they're so cool looking in the matte feel. And the, the guy you use uh, for your manufacturer, it's Pure Buttons, right? Yeah, it's Pure Buttons. Yeah, because I use them too. And I, because uh, for my, my merch and stuff like that for the podcast, mm-hmm. I buy the, the little matte ones. And they're just, people like those because they have a great feel to them and they're soft and this and that. So, like, I like Yeah. They're, they're great. It's- it looks good on your coat. It looks, it just looks good when you see it in person. You're like, Oh, that pin stands out. Why does it look like that? Mm-hmm. It so. to like the glossy feel. It's like, Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, but like with a matte finish 
it's really nice. So that's why I usually get like the matte kind of uh, texture to my pins and stuff like that, which I need to buy more um, because I <laughs> when I bought pins, I um, I didn't think and I didn't get like the correct uh, size. So I got like these three inch cookie size pins and they're like huge. So I'm like, damn, I was like, how am I going to how am I going to do this? And I was like, I'll just I'll give them to guests and stuff like that. And they're like, they're Texas sized pins. I was like, you can't get this anywhere else. They're Texas sized. <laughs> yeah, so, you got the massive one. Yeah, so I, I got like three different ones, but um, yeah, I gotta order little smaller ones because I think people like the smaller ones. They don't really want like a boom, like it's huge. I mean, they'll like it, but it's like mm-hmm. it's it's too big, and you know. <laughs> yeah, it looks like yeah, they're running for mayor. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, are you running for mayor? I'm like, no, it's just that's yeah. it's the size. But yeah, dude, I mean. Um, there's people that like get upset because they're like, fuck, I didn't get a pin. And I'm like, oh, okay. oh hey, man, we, just come back next time a little bit earlier. And some people yeah. would leave. I've seen people who would like get a pin and leave or they wouldn't get one and just leave. And I'm like, yo, you came out here at least stay for a couple hours. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. That, that is always the craziest thing to me. Like when someone comes and grabs on, it's like, cool, I just came for this. I'm like, what? <laughs> What you left your house, <laughs> parked downtown, waited in line, and then for a pin? Yeah, maybe we should just mail them to people sometimes. But geez, <laughs> but you know, it, it definitely shows like how much people uh, do find you know some sort of value in. I don't know. I guess just being offered something for free or like a I don't know whatever ubiquity it took on. It's like, uh, it definitely has value to people. It means something. So, um, I'm glad that, you know, it's something that kind of came to fruition, but it definitely was not like, uh, I did not think it'd be what it is. Yeah. That was, that was not my intention at all. I was like, it can just be something cool to give to people. And yeah, yeah. now people like trade them. On his own, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so really glad to have that and, and we'll definitely be pushing it and, and having them back and a lot more now so that people can have some, not yeah. everyone. Cause you know, it's not cool, Yeah. but you know, more than a few hundred. I think I think I used to print a hundred, 150 total. So by 10 30, like no, really people, they were gone. Yeah. Like 150 people had shown up and grabbed them. So that was also part of it. Now that I really think about it, it, I didn't know how many people were coming because, like, you know, not that Barb's wouldn't tell me if I asked them, but I just never really was like, what's the door count? Because it didn't matter to me. I just could tell there were a lot of people there. Yeah. So the pins would be a good way to gauge, like, well, we're out of pins, so there's definitely about 150, 200 people here. Yeah. And then, you know, no by, like, 11. Oh, it looks like it's doubled in size there's a lot of people here now just so I could like think how many people are coming into the club on this night. And then how many people come and go also blows my mind. Like yeah. there's, that's really a running like door or rotation of uh, customers. People come at nine and they'll leave by like 11. And then there's people that don't come until like 11 or midnight and you know, it keeps it full. So we have like two, Two shows is kind of how I put it to people. There's the early show and the late show. Mm-hmm. They just blow. They just blend into each other. Pretty much. Pretty much they do. Yeah. 
Because you can, I can always tell. It's like, okay, well, those people that were here when I showed up, they're gone. And, oh, there's some new people. And it seems like it just keeps going and going and going. I'm like, how many more people are here? Because, like, like you said, it'll double. And I'm like, there's 400 people in here? Damn. <laughs> it's because you have uh-huh. that whole top disco era. And then you have at the bottom, and then you have on the sides, and you have people outside smoking, and they have mm-hmm. on the balcony. And I'm like, oh my god, there's a lot of fucking people. <laughs> yeah, you just walk around and, and like it's a it's a big social club. There's people that come and do go sit outside and never come for the music. They're just like, I'm here because like my friends are here. Yeah, which is cool. Like, yeah, I go on the patio and like there's a whole other event going on out there of people just catching up. You know, making the emo night their spot to see some of their friends because it's the only time they can all agree on a night to go out or things like that. Like, it's just cool. It's like, damn, there's more going on than meets the eye. Because I'm always seeing that first room or the dance floor room. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the main thing I can see. I can barely tell how many people are at the bar unless, like I said, I'm trying to send the dance floor to the bar. Then I can see the bar gets super crowded and backed up. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, then that's where everyone is now. And then I'll watch the room fill back up and then kind of just, you know, keep that rotation going. But, uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of spaces people uh, are sitting in or are at that I can't see and always lose track of just how busy it really is. Yeah, man, because it, it can get pretty busy. It gets crowded in there. And even before, like, pre-COVID, it was like – like shoulder to shoulder front to back you were like in there and now with mm-hmm. like now that covid it's kind of like it's kind of set some new rules and stuff like that it's it's still a little shoulder to shoulder but you still have a little more like you can move your arm space and stuff like that you know not not as lot not as many people as last time but there's still more people you know you you get what i'm saying yeah right? there's there's plenty of people in there like i said the the big reason for the door charge in the first place was so that it wasn't Bam, you know, shoulder to shoulder like it used to be and just so crowded. It was like, let's just kind of get, you know, people that really want to be here in here. And, you know, some people will be mad that we're charging, but it's okay. We'll, you know, we'll win them back in the near future. Let's just get the, you know, the biggest party we can get while keeping it like not as big as, you know, it used to be. Yeah. Exactly. Like the 10 bucks seemed like a good middle ground of like, yeah, that would probably keep some people from coming, but also people will be like, I don't care. I'll pay 10 bucks. I really want to go. I need <laughs> to go out. Like I've yeah. been in my house for a year. Yeah. So we tried to, to manage the crowd as much as we could, you know, using the door as like, okay, this was a good barrier. It's either going to, you know, be extremely lucrative and uh, 10 bucks doesn't stop anyone from going. But I'm like, because it used to be free, I think a lot of people will be like, Oh no, I liked going when it was free, but I don't really want to go all the way to downtown Houston, pay 10 bucks to go to an email night. Like, okay, that's cool. Cause like we don't need everyone back in the club right now. Yeah. So, you know, if you want to stay at home, that's totally cool. It's up to you. Yeah. For me, just, I don't, I don't mind paying the $10 dude. I mean, we pay when we go to Barbarella, and we pay when we go to Rise. And we like Rise mm-hmm. because it's kind of like ah, taking a break. We can sit down, actually, 
and enjoy emo night just listen to the music and we don't i don't have to be at your own table yeah Yeah. and i don't have to go into the pit and and you know because when i met barbarella it's like fuck it give me take my glasses and let's go i'm going you know i'm going in um but with rise it's a lot different it's more chill and it's like I can actually sit back and enjoy the music. I mean, yeah, there's sometimes where people we get like you know we get rowdy. And we do have a little mosh pits and stuff like that. But I like Rise too because it's it's cool. It's like you sit, you chill, you have fun, and it's it's like being the adult emo night where it's like okay, guys, we're just gonna sit and chill and have a good time. And then you know when we go to Barbarella, it's like fuck it, you know. <laughs> so uh, sorry, I just got a text from the tow company. Oh no, it's but fine. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, no, it, Rise was nice because it was, honestly, I thought it was our most COVID-friendly event. Like, yeah, it wasn't as packed as Barbarella, but uh, people still had a good time. Like, I have videos of, you know, about 100 people dancing around. They made their own little mosh pit area. Mm-hmm. You could see people sitting where they want to sit. You weren't forced to just be in it, you know? Yeah. Uh, I'm interested to see what tomorrow will be like because we'll have people actually moving between the space now instead of standing under the DJ booth or sitting at the tables around the bar, they'll be watching the show and then kind of be like, Oh cool. I'm going to move over here. Or I'm going to go over to the bar and get a drink. And if the crowd actually moves then it seems to fill up the space better. So, you know, we'll see how it goes, but, um, definitely, uh, there's a, there's a magic to how crowded that Barbarella is. Yeah. And, it's a good thing, but it wasn't a good thing right after COVID. But as things seem to taper out, we'll see after the holidays, I guess. I have a feeling the news is going to be like, everyone's back together for the holidays and COVID's through the roof again. Like, what? <laughs> but, know. you know, I'm hoping it doesn't go that way. And if it doesn't, then I think at the beginning of next year, you know, people will be down to, to be back in packed spaces again. Uh, Maybe not right at the beginning, but definitely by the summer. Yeah, by the summer. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it, it, it's going to be a good night tomorrow, especially you guys got the whole emo night, and then you have Halloween coming up, and then you have the Astros in the World Series. So, of course, everybody's going to be fucking pumped for <laughs> tomorrow. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. tomorrow night there will be a lot of people that just pop in because they're like out and about. But, oh, hell yeah, there's that emo night. We should go check it out. Yeah. So, so you know, I have a good feeling about it. I'll be, I'll be excited either way, you know, just being able to do a Halloween event kind of slowly moving so that we can do things on the weekend in Houston mm-hmm. instead of on a Tuesday night and kind of expanding what our capability is down there. I think, uh, you know, these are all sign of good things to come. Just got to keep yeah. putting them on and, and finding new ways to stand out. So this is my two big things. I had to sum anything up just that you know we want to be the like most fun version of a emo night that includes like more than just the playlist it's who's there and what you saw and what you experienced while you were there be like yeah that one that was way more fun how come and then oh it's because it was texas emo club yeah cool that's that's what i want people to say and that's what i want to create so that's what we're working towards i think tomorrow will be a good Good testament to, you know, how we could do things a little bit differently. Yeah. The live bands are going to be cool. That My Chemical Romance cover band, I think, is going to nail it from what I've heard. Yeah, I, I hope so. I, I 
Hopefully I can go because like I said, I'm going to I'm going to go watch the Astros for a little bit. So maybe I might go. Maybe I might take a friend and stuff like that. So um, but well, before, let me know. Yeah, yeah, hit me up. yeah, I'll hit you know. If not, then you, of course, you'll see me on Tuesday. So. Yeah, I um, know yeah, it is a lot back to back. That's the other thing. <laughs> that's what's awesome, though, because it's like you can never get. I, I like going. Like I said, I, I've said that so many times. It's like I like going to the Texas Emo Club when you guys have it. So I yeah. feel more comfortable and it's just it's more fun. I've made friends or it's like I don't even know their name. And they're like, what's up, buddy? And I'm like, hey, yeah, you're like, you know? hey, you, you were here <laughs> all the times I've been here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what the drill is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. OK, so before we get into kind of towards like towards the end of the show, I do want to ask you about the whole emo night on the lake that you guys were doing like in Austin. So what came up with that idea? Uh, So this year I had, you know, I had done streamer with my sister Monique and I have a friend named Selby that uh, I also partnered with on this business and kind of growing it into something different. And she came with a, you know, well, they both did really Selby and my sister came with a handful of ideas and the boat party was one of them. That was like, uh, we, uh, we think people will go out to the lake and just like, let's throw a normal boat party. But instead of, you know, uh, eighties music or hip hop or whatever, let's just do an emo one. Like let's make an emo boat party. And they figured it out and they worked together on it and Oh shit. Okay. Hold on one sec. Now I think this is the tow company. So yeah, so um, Selby and Monique came up with the boat party idea and they put it all together. You know, they called the boat company. Well, actually, may help with that actually because now I have a whole team. So my whole team is... Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. So my whole team is Selby, myself, my uh, booking person, Meg Cisneros, uh, a guy named Blake who moved here from South Carolina and he was doing emo nights up there. Mm-hmm. And so he moved to Austin just because of COVID. He wanted to change the scenery. So uh, he joined the team about June, July also. And uh, my sister and I, uh, you know, we're siblings, so we had our own little sense of issues. We're still family, but uh, we don't really. She helps when she can. She yeah. does some other things. She is actually working with a company here called When Where What Austin, and she's working for herself and doing a few other things. So it's all good. But uh, yeah, she was part of the team for a bit, and that's when we were doing the boat parties. Was the whole point of that. So basically, it really was everyone else except me. I feel like putting their efforts to be like, what could we do different? That's not in the clubs. Where else could we throw a party or an event? Mm-hmm. And it was Lake Travis. And I think the best version of that event was our second one where we partnered with a local burger pop up here called bad Larry burger club. Okay. And, uh, bad Larry just, you know, they brought their, their meat and their bread and like how they make their burgers and just made them on the boat instead of, you know, outside the bar, inside the kitchen, you know, depending where they're at, they can kind of cook anywhere. And uh, having them involved and giving everyone this, like, great burger, bus ride, and a boat party, and, like, you're hearing, you know, music from 
your high school years, like on full blast out on the lake, you're swimming. It just was like, it's, it wasn't sad, but you know, uh, it was very emo at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like we, we saw people on other boats leave their boat party and come on ours. Cause they were like, they could hear our music and we're singing like from their boat top decks. And like, we just had a whole thing on the lake and like, it's, it was proof that the club is bigger than we think, you know? Yeah. So like that was really, I think the most special part of those events. And that was just a testament to everyone else being able to be like, Hey, we want to help and we want to show like what this thing can be. So let's do some, some different versions of the party instead of always being, you know, uh, in Barbarella or in a club at night or just anything like that, like really change it up. And it was fun. I mean, we want to do some other things this year too. We want to do a silent disco. We want to do, um, you know, our emo karaoke just as a pop-up by itself. Mm-hmm. Cause like we put a lot of time and love into that too just finding all the different instrumentals that exist and finding lyric videos or making lyric videos and just being like, here you go. Here's a version of the song that you can sing over and, and building that out. So, you know, a lot of them too are like studio instrumentals instead of just like a MIDI version of the song where it doesn't sound as good as the original. Mm-hmm. It's like, Oh no, you're, it sounds like you're singing over Helena and uh, you know, um, that's that's really what I think the boat parties taught us and was the whole point was just like look at all the things we can do that are built around this community and this connection so yeah I would say that that was you know the whole point more than anything was let's go have some fun in the sun to emo songs yeah I mean it, those yeah. Pretty, it looked really fun I have a friend of mine who who went, she went and she was like, it's so fun. She likes going outside and, you know, being in the water and stuff like that. So, and then listening to emo music is a plus. Cause it's like, Hey guys, we're, we're having fun. We're sad, but it's like, we're still getting our vitamin D. We're still, you know, with the right, water, yeah. we're having fun. We're having burgers, but we could still be with our we're set, laughing. You know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. More juxtaposition. Exactly. I think that's my favorite thing. Like, it just it doesn't make sense, but then you see it, and it makes all the sense in the world. Exactly, you know. <laughs> I think I liken it to like country western night. Like you'll go to a club or a bar, and people are just two stepping, and you know there might be a band, it might just be a DJ playing, you know, the classic country western songs people can two step to. Mm-hmm. But uh, this is you know. Uh, 2020 version of that. It's like, oh, well, we don't know how to two-step. We just know how to throw hands. Exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're going to do that to these songs. Exactly. You know? And it's fun. And it's like, okay, cool. Well, yeah, I mean, that can also be a party. Why not? It doesn't have to always be the concert or like wait for the concert. And now these things reach this popularity that um, the bands are making a huge comeback. You know? Yeah, they are. And it's great. Like, I'm so glad so many bands are touring and doing their 15-year anniversary tours and, like, you know, feel confident knowing, oh, yeah, there's a crowd out there that will pay money to go see you guys play these songs for real, not just the DJ night. Like, we there's longevity in the career that, you know, looking back, when I would go see bands play at Fat Cats or Numbers or anything like that as a teenager, 
it seemed like that was it, right? Like, I'll never see Cody to Cameron again. I can't imagine they're going to be a band in 15 years. Mm-hmm. Just because it, it didn't seem to be what things did. Like, none of the bands of the 90s were around when I was in high school. It seemed like they had already all stopped touring or doing their thing. So, um, to see it, you know, as a 35-year-old and be like, nope, all my favorite bands are on the road. I get to see them this year. I get to see them at a music festival, like, that's so uh, great. And I think these nights helped prove that, you know, the music lasts longer than, than you think. Yeah. Yeah. People, people love their culture and their nostalgia for this, uh, this era and this scene. Yeah. Especially so, with like the whole 2000s vibe scene coming back, like the music's coming back with it as well. So like a lot of younger people are listening to like, not the new Fallout Boy, but like older Fallout Boy, My Chemical Romance, mm-hmm. and, and taking back Sunday, Hawthorne Heights, and stuff like that. So it's pretty cool. But then, like I said, it makes us feel like we're old because it's I'm like uh, uh, I remember when this shit came out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This this is new to you, huh? That's crazy. <laughs> Classic to me. But you know, that's the fun thing about music. Yeah. Like I always tell people. You know, it's it's new to anyone who's never heard it before. A song could be 15 years old, and if you missed it, it it's always going to feel new to you. Like, wow, how did I miss this? I feel that way about 80s music sometimes. I'm yeah. still learning songs from the 80s. Oh, yeah, dude. There's, like, a whole, like, other side of, like, 80s music that, I like, I discovered, too, because it's, like, you got... New wave, you got the dance, you got metal, you got heavy metal, you got rock, you got pop, you got all this, and there's so many great songs. Like I, I like the '80s music. I mean, my parents grew up in yeah. the '80s, so like they pushed it. I didn't push it on us, but like it was around. So it's like we, I fell in love with it. And there's always new things that I'm listening to, like from the '80s. I'm like, wow, this shit sounds good. Like I have a friend out there in LA. He listens to uh, to dark wave. And he was telling me, he's like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's kind of like, it's like new wave, but it's a more synthier, gothy, yeah. and you know, he, he loves like the cure and, and the Smiths and stuff like that. So he's always talking about it. And like, he put me on to like, like the dark wave and stuff like that. So it's really good music. It's stuff like Barbarella would play maybe for new noise or maybe even eighties night kind of like, it's like, this is not eighties, but it sounds like it would come out of the eighties. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's cool, and that's the whole point. It's like it's you know, even in this genre, I feel like I'm always learning new songs, just within the emo subculture. So, yeah, because I have to, I have to grow with the audience. So, like, I never listened to Pierce the Veil or Bring Me the Horizon when I was in my early twenties when that stuff was out. Because like 2012, I'm what, uh, 26. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's crazy. I wasn't listening to Pierce the Veil at 26 because it wasn't for me. Uh, I was working at Hot Topic, though. I do remember that and being like, I need to get out of this small job. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> these kids are crazy. I don't know what any of this stuff is. Asking Alexandria, bringing the horizon, like the, you know, the type of kids that were coming in that were 16, 15 then in 2012 or what, 24 now? Yeah, twenty five. Yeah, they're like twenty five, so, twenty six, around there. And that's definitely who's at emo night. So it's like I got to play music that I didn't know at all, and it was popular. 
and that's that's kind of what I mean. Like I've I've learned to appreciate, you know, the way that culture grew. Yeah, so music discovery is definitely a big part of uh, of all these things, and you know, I think it's cool to see kids come in that are twenty one, twenty two, and they've never heard Under Roads, Only Chasing Safety, or they never heard Hawthorne Heights. Like they missed it because they were, you know, five. <laughs> like, or even born <laughs> or even born so yeah like it's a trip man yeah so, it is dude you know and then with like the whole new emo I guess scene going on like um mm-hmm. like you know Little Peep and Hot Mulligan and um Charmer and all these other bands that are like they're they're kind of like Midwest emo but like they're coming up cause people start knowing them and stuff like that so um, I'm pretty sure you probably get like all these requests, like, "Hey, play this, play this, play this," and you're like, "I don't even know what the fuck this is," <laughs> but I'll look into oh, it. Yeah, for sure. I'll, I'll listen to it, and then I look at the numbers, or I look at the release years, and I'm like, "Oh, okay, that makes sense." Yeah, I'm just old, <laughs> <laughs> dude. Because like my girlfriend is like, whenever we go to like an emo night, she's always like, "Play some little peep," and I'm like. I don't think he even has little people because <laughs> we went to the emo night no. and, uh, at, uh, at numbers and she was telling the DJ guy, she was like, can you play some little people? He's like, I don't even have that dude. And she was like, Oh, yeah. okay. And I told her, I'm like, I don't think some of these guys are going to have that. And she's like, why not? And yeah. I was like, just cause you know, it's, it's a whole different thing. It's a whole different ballpark for them. I and mean, we were they're right. really used to this and it's like, they're getting into the new music, but it's like little by little, you know? Exactly. And it's taken time. I mean, when I started the emo nights, Gospel Click and stuff like that was already coming up and there were, you know, always stereo gum or vice or noisy articles. I'm sorry that my car's beeping. It's okay. I had to move it. I was saying, um, give me one sec. I'll restate that sentence. So yeah. So like, you know, the Gospel Click stuff was popping off about 2017, 2016, just as I started doing these emo nights. Mm-hmm. And so I was paying attention to it, but I wasn't like, uh, very familiar with it or thought that it was going to have like the legs and ended up having. And by the time he died and extension died and all these other people, I'm like, actually they created a completely new culture. And now that some years have passed since they've passed, since they've passed and their music starts to live on and people, you know, gravitate towards it more. I feel like, this community of emo people that come to these type of events are also starting to familiarize themselves with music they might have missed over the past five years. Mm-hmm. So they're like, you know, to me, I think it is something that we should be playing or at least have a few songs in rotation just to like show the breadth of, of the genre and the culture. Like it's so much wider than, you know, the four or five albums from 2003 to 2008. Like, there's a lot of, of music that goes there. So I think we, you know, we would behoove us to, to know and learn the little peep songs that would go off and can, can fit right in the party. Yeah. Like he does yeah. have some really good stuff. And that's another thing that I'm adding to our uh, list of events or, you know, different types of events we throw is to do an emo rap night. I was going to do it on Halloween this year. It's called teardrop. Yeah. And uh, we were going to play Lil Peep, Snot, uh, Lil Lotus, uh, Kenny Hoopla, Machine Gun Kelly, like more of the, you know, 
pop emo punk stuff, but that like I might not play it emo night proper because I'll play Machine Gun Kelly now because that shit's awesome. But yeah. uh, you know, maybe not so much Snot or Playboy Cardi or Trippy Red. Like I don't think anyone at emo night's ready for that. But Pete definitely holds that boundary where I'm like, no, he's definitely a gateway to show people like, you know, it was more than you thought. Like he's actually really brilliant. So I wanted to do an event that was showcasing that side of the genre just to have, you know, some different flavors and tastes to what we do. And to give myself a break, like I told you, I have the fatigue of hearing these songs so much, even though I'm like always learning new ones. Mm -hmm. It's like, I have to stand up there for five hours at some of these events and, and play the playlist and think about how not to repeat my sets or, you know, make it boring and always liven it up or think about things, tricks I haven't done in a while that people might've forgot about or, you know, throw those curveballs out there. Yeah. So it's, a, you know, it's sometimes a lot of my mind and it's tiring, but having a night like teardrop in the works is definitely going to be fun because like, I know people want to go out and hear Lil Peep. I know people want to go out and they want to hear Trippy Red. And they want to hear Extension and they want to play, or they want to hear Playboy Cardi. And then there's Drake and stuff like that too. That kind of works. Like there could be a whole other party that's like rap and hip hop. And it's not the rap and hip hop club music you usually hear when you go out, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's a little bit more alternative. I think that that could be a, a big fun party for, you know, people that are, are coming to these type of events and want to hear that music and they'll be like, Oh, I'm going to that one. Cause that's really what I want to hear now. That will be fun for me. Yeah. Well, so, hopefully next I, year, hopefully next year you guys get to do that and, and it'll probably take off like within an instant, you know? So, yeah, I think so. I think especially like as our, as our brand grows and we're able to turn this into, you know, what I'm envisioning as I bring more people on board and it's not just me pulling all the levers and I've got some people to bounce ideas off with me. I'm like, okay, yeah, I think we can grow this brand so that when we say we're doing something like this, people will know we're going to do it right. And it's going to be a lot of fun. And they, you know, the word will spread in an instant. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Dude. All right. Well, let's get into our two segments going towards the end of the show. So I have this one segment called, uh, unpopular opinions. So pretty much you kind of get the whole gist of it. It's an unpopular opinion. So since you are a very special guest, um, I would like to see if you have any unpopular opinions. It can be about whatever music, food, uh, the local scene, anything, anything. So do you have any unpopular opinions? Unpopular opinion. Mm, let me think for a second. You know, we can we can cut the pause that I'm about to have while I really think like what's what's a good unpopular opinion that I really stand by, and I'd be like, no nah, man, I really feel that way. Because um, <laughs> I definitely have a few. Yeah. <laughs> I'm quite the contrarian. Because uh, like think, one of my my unpopular opinion is yeah, give me an example. Usually, what I always like start people off. It's kind of like an icebreaker. Um, is like I always tell people that like my unpopular opinion is pico de gallo is trash to me. And people are like, what? Mm. And that kind of like starts it off. So that's what kind of the examples like for me, Pico de Gallo. I don't really like Pico de Gallo. Um, I think it's pretty much a waste. And um, I like salsa, but I don't like chunky, chunky Pico. I just don't like Pico. I don't like onions. 
Um, I like tomatoes, but I just don't like onions, and I just it doesn't yeah. seem anything to me. I, I prefer the salsa. Yeah, so. cebollas, huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, let me think. Oh man, I really want to do one on music. I feel like there's a lot, especially with emo. That's like, you know, what's everyone think is like this great album, and I'm like, it's not okay. It's just okay. You know, if I'm being honest, here's one. I don't think the Black Parade is My Chemical Romance's best song. I think it's their Bohemian Rhapsody. Like, it has all the same movements. It starts at the piano, it builds up, it crescendos, and it's got like this great epic outro. It's beautiful. It's a great piece of work. But I don't get the, the hype over it. Like, I, you know, there'll be memes of people being like, when you hear the G sharp and like the piano note hits mm-hmm. and it gets everyone excited, I'm like, it doesn't do it for me. For me, it's Helena. I think Helena's that like magic song. I don't know if that's an unpopular opinion as much as like, you know, by the numbers, the Black Parade is like this thing that just the album itself seems to be their highest work. And I, I don't know. I'm, I don't get it. I know. I, 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 I don't can, really. Yeah, I can totally agree with you. And I really think the reason why people think it's like their, their top thing is because of social media, TikTok, all the little videos mm-hmm. fine and stuff like that. They use it and especially that one guy that's on YouTube, he does like those emos not dead. Yeah, he does the emo yeah, things. Yeah, and, yeah. and I really like I agree with you. Like I don't think it's like their their top song. Um mm-hmm. it's definitely like Bohemian Rhapsody. It's their main thing. Everybody knows, everybody sings to at the concert before the band comes on. Um Helena is a really good one. Um there's so many that they have. I can't really pick up my own. Yeah. Uh, I think Ghost of You is a really good one. I think it's very underrated. And it, it's, Ghost it's, of You is very underrated. Yeah. It's very, it's so beautiful. And then like it turns and then like it just boom hits you. Um, but yeah, dude, I can totally agree with your unpopular opinion that, that, uh, <laughs> welcome to the Black Parade. Yeah, Black Parade. Black Parade is not that great. I don't, I don't like it as much. I get bored listening to it. <laughs> when I put it on at the, at the parties, I'm like, I know everyone's about to go nuts and like the lights are going to be great and everyone's going to have a ball. This is what they've been waiting for. I, I'm, I'm, I'm tuned out right now. It doesn't do it. It doesn't do it for me. You're like, I'm going to go to the bathroom. I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, sometimes cause it's like five minutes long. I'm like, I got time. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great bathroom break song. The biggest song of the night. <laughs> And you know, it'd be funny because a lot of the people probably that will listen to this from Emonab, they'd be like, what? I can't believe that. I can, you know, yeah. it's going to be, but it's like, hey man, it's, it's its own popular opinion. Some people agree yeah, with that. I wouldn't say it's trash, but it's, it's just okay to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like you said, it's like the Bohemian Rhapsody for My Chemical Romance, but it's not that one that's like... There it is. That's the one I've been wanting to hear, you know. So, but it, like I said, it's due to social media. Everyone hypes it up and, and this and that. Because, like, even when it came out, it wasn't like that big. I mean, it was a good song, but it wasn't like everybody and their grandma was singing. I, I didn't think it was iconic like it is now, not at yeah. the time. I think it was cool that they, like, they donned the characters and the art was amazing. Like, the whole package is badass. Like, it's so conceptualized. Yeah. It's crazy. Like they really thought about it and it's got a whole, you know, purpose and that's cool. And that's great. But musically for me, like I'm, I'm, I like three cheers. I think three cheers for sweet revenge is just like to the point it's punk, it's dark, it's beautiful. 
it's all the things that make My Chemical Romance My Chemical Romance to me. And then Black Parade came out, and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is huge. This is a big anthem. But, like, it's not even, I think the production's great. Like, I have nothing bad to say about the actual quality of the music. It's just not, it's not my thing. Mm-hmm. I don't like it, unpopular opinion. Black Parade's mm-hmm. just okay. Bam, unpopular opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I knew uh, I had one. I'm like, I could, I could vouch for this. Right? Yeah, exactly. Um, let me see. Do I have another? Oh, and Drake one? is emo. Drake is emo. Drake is emo. Oh, yeah, man. Drake is emo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're gonna have to explain that one. You just, you just threw one out of nowhere, and I'm like, I gotta hear this. And this is a second unpopular Drake opinion that I have that I've gotten because oh, really? I had one last episode. Um, I did a an episode with Urban Zobbury. Oh, I think I can. Oh, there you go. I did yeah, a. Sorry. sorry, it's okay. It's all right. I did an episode with Urban South Brewery, and the the main manager was telling me um, his unpopular opinion. He was like Drake. He's like Drake is trash. I was like, what? And I was like, and, and I'm like, what? Who would say that? So it's funny that this is like the second Drake unpopular opinion that I have <laughs> on oh, this yeah, episode. But yeah, you're gonna have to explain Drake is emo. Explain that. Drake is emo. Like, well, one. You know, in a tongue-in-cheek way, uh, I guess he's been, you know, kind of outed as like a groomer, mm-hmm. and that's pretty pop punk and emo of him. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, also, like his lyrical content. I mean, like you listen to Drake songs, and they are sad, and he's always kind of like, "I'm a piece of shit, and I know it, and I want to do better," but like at the same time, like, I just want to be loved and in my flaws and, you know, thinking about you often. And I like, I'm up late nights. Like I can't sleep cause I've got you on my mind. Like he talks about some shit that I'm like, this is just him being emo. Mm-hmm. It's the same. He's admitting that, you know, and like, when you think about it, like 2010, 2011, Drake, like take care era. Yeah. Like that album has some real like emotional parts to it, and then there's songs like Marvin's Room later on, and then even on Nothing Was the Same. Like there's great songs like Come Through, and just these these songs where he you know shows that part of himself, or you know, is all in his feelings about shit. And then all of his contemporaries at the time aren't really doing it. Maybe Kanye, but like Lil Uzi Vert wasn't around yet. Uh, Lil Peep wasn't around yet Like he had it You know If Drake didn't sing Or talk about that type of stuff Then like all these other rappers Wouldn't have followed suit So that emo rap Could have even been a genre I think No So yeah. I think Drake is emo Cause like I mean he's He made it okay For you to be You know Talking about your scrap And fucking Doing drugs And banging hoes <laughs> And like listening to music loud And not giving a fuck And also be like But like I care And I miss you yeah, I'm, pretty, Man, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> what? Yeah, I can totally I didn't see that. Call you back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can totally see that. Walk of shame. Dude, <laughs> Man, I fucked your friend. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, funny. You were saying that about the take care yeah. uh, era. Um, I, I'm pretty sure you already know this, but like most of that album was like the weekends, like stuff. Like that was supposed to be like his mm-hmm. album, but he gave it to Drake. And like I think the weekend, the weekend is also kind of emo in a way too. I mean, his earlier stuff was not as much oh, yeah, now because yeah, emo. Yeah. <laughs> so you uh, got and you, it's it's cool. Like looking back through the lens of time, you're like, I guess so. Like if you're really gonna call a spade a spade, like these guys were being emotional. Mm-hmm. 
you know, in a genre that before that time didn't really like have that aspect. The whole, you know, nuance of hip or like not nuance, but core of hip hop was like, you're tough. You're from the streets. Streets raised you. Had to, you know, do what you had to do to make a living, and you, you know, don't hold anything back. It's also very punk. Mm-hmm. And then the emo side comes in by the time some of these people are like, I don't, you know, I do want to talk about that, but I'm also like, I want to sing a love song or I want to talk about something else. You know, I'm going to do that while rapping and like on a hard ass beat and singing, like singing. All these rappers just sing now. It's amazing. I love it. But they're not like, uh, you know, rapping like uh, Biggie or Tupac or something like that or like in this, you know. Yeah. Classic way they've evolved the genre and it's so abstract now that I would say like, yeah, dude, Drake is emo and like without Drake, there wouldn't be this whole sect of emo rap or these type of artists that, you know, kind of followed his lead. Exactly. And even with like Kanye's like 808 and heartbreaks, I mean, he kind of, he got like very emotional on that too. So that's kind of like a, like a, like an emo album in a way. So. Yeah, his mom had died, and he was like, "Well, now I'm sad." <laughs> so, <laughs> Time to make an emo album. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm gonna make an emo album about all my feelings, and thank God Auto Tune exists so he can sing. Mm-hmm. You know, his I don't know, man. I can go on and on and on about music in different genres, but you know, to me, I guess that would be an unpopular opinion if you just said that at a table. You're like, Drake's like so emo. Like what? <laughs> But I mean, think about it. the dude's got a heart like shaved on the side of his head right now. Yeah, like, yeah, that's that's pretty emo. That is that's that's so emo right there. I mean, uh-huh. <laughs> I gotta bring that up one of these days. I'm gonna use that one. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Okay, so I have an unpopular opinion, and this is due to the whole MGK crap and all that. I I personally like MGK's whole pop punk. Um, movement that he's doing right now. Like, I know a lot of people are probably rolling their eyes and they're like, oh, he's not pop punk. He's just a poser. He's just, and I'm like, no, I mean, the dude's, he's not. I mean, he was hip hop. He was rap. He was talking about stuff and this and that. But like on the side, he was still playing guitar. And, and you know, I know he did some of the emo nights too when he hey. was still a rapper and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I just think he's like, hey, it's more acceptable now. It's like, I can do this. Why not just go 100% all in and let's just do an emo. Let's do a pop punk album and stuff yeah, like that. Let's get the pop punk god yeah. to play drums on it. Yeah. And I liked the album. I bought it. it. You know, I bought it and I liked it. And my girlfriend didn't like it. She was like, he's not that good. This is the blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, dude, but you also listen to Little Peep and you're like, they both got inspired by each other. So it's like, yeah. You kind of like him. You should kind of like him too. I like it. Whenever you play it, I'm like all in it. I'm like, oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> I love when I play at like a club with a crazy good sound system. Yeah. Because it has, it has 808 hitting the low end. Like it, the production on it alone, incredible. Like you can, I've heard all these songs so much now on so many different speaker systems mm-hmm. that like I'm picking up like, you know. Enough to make the joke about the 98 Civic. Like, yeah, some of this stuff is mixed terribly. Like, it doesn't have all the balance. I mean, the cool thing about Machine Gun Kelly stuff is, one, like you said, he can do it now. There's nothing holding him back. He doesn't need to go, like, in a studio for, you know, three months and work with a 
with three other bandmates and make the record. Everyone's got to have their riff and their part and get their writing credit. It's just like, no, he goes in with one producer and they get a session guitar player and that guy just plays a riff and then they write the song and cool day's done. We wrote two songs today. We'll write, you know, a few more tomorrow. Like he made an album in like a year and it's great. And I saw him at ACL and it's a whole, he's a performer. He's an entertainer. He's a songwriter. So he's just using this genre and this, you know, concept as like a vessel for his music. You know, he might come up and do a, a dance record next and it wouldn't really matter because like, it's just his character right now. He's just doing a pop punk thing. Exactly. And he's owning it. You yeah. know, he's sipping from a whisking bottle and flipping off the crowd and playing guitar and climbing on the uh, production stuff in the tents. And he's like hanging off the rafters. Like I haven't seen that since those days. Mm-hmm. So yeah. he's really doing it justice. He's being a pop punk entertainer. So, you know, I think it's just like, we don't like change as humans sometimes. And so it's weird to see like something that looks like it's, it is a poser. Or it's not authentic because it's not at the time that you were open to it, you know? Yeah. Like when I was a kid and go to Warp Tour and see like, all the bands and be there all day. Yeah. Then every band seemed great. And I felt like, Oh, this is cool. And to see someone try and recreate that, that isn't from that era does feel weird. But if you take that lens off and you look at it, like, no, like this guy's like evolving a sound that's dated musically. And, you know, from a production standpoint and just like as a concept, like the, my ex best friend, there's no emo songs like that back then. No. Like, it, no one's admitting that they're trying to hook up with their ex's friend. That's like an emo no-no. <laughs> but that song is like, no, nah, I want to do it. Like, let's just, you know, let's make mistakes. Like, it has that hip-hop attitude towards it. So it's cool. It's progressive. And I don't know, man. I'm just always, like, I believe in, in change as a disruptor in all things. So... I'm always going to root for like the outsider or someone that's doing something so different. People don't like it or they don't understand it or don't care to. I'm like, that's tight. I mean, that's to me, that's what punk rock is. Exactly. Dude. And like with him, I'm not not saying leading the charge, but like him being comfortable and be like, yeah, I don't need to go. And and like you said, go into a studio for three months and, and put out a record under a different name. Like, no, this is me. This is Machine Gun Kelly. This is Tickets to My Downfall. Yep. This is it, you know? And then he's inspired so many other people. Like, uh, Halsey came out with, I guess, a pop-punk record. I haven't really heard it, but um, mm-hmm. she came out with one, and you got all these other guys coming out with one, and I think Trippy Red's coming out with one. So, it's like, he's inspiring all these other people to be like, hey, man, it's okay. I know you like that music, but if you yeah. like it, go ahead and put it out there. I mean, who's nobody's going to judge. I mean, there's going to be some gatekeepers and there's going to be people who are going to like pick up their nose and like, always, no. but they'll get out the way yeah. eventually because like it's unstoppable. And the cool thing is like all this music and all this fusion is just going so that we don't have genres. Cause to me, genres are just like a type of segregation anyway. Yeah. Like, Oh, I only like this music or I only like this music. It's like, that's cool. If you look at what's happening in pop, it's like there's people doing, you know, uh, country records and country style records with 808 drums and they're taking elements from hip hop or they've got, you know, hip hop guys working with Chino Moreno and Travis Barker, like Trippy Red did a whole redo of his album with 
uh, Travis doing production with him and like taking a different approach to how he makes his music just to give it a different sound so yeah. that it can be cool and, and refreshing. And it's like, it's always forward thinking and they're all moving towards like, there is no genre. There is no limit. It just is. I think Dondo is a cool example of, you know, there's no drums on Dondo and yeah. some people hate it, but like, I'm like, you don't need it. He's actually more free form now. Cause he took the drums off. He's still in a four, four, but like sometimes he's just like, you know, moving the, the song all over the place. And it works because he's a master producer as a, and a songwriter. So like it takes out all the elements, but that still has like, um, you know, yeah. Without ever actually giving it to you. It's like, that's crazy. Like that's so talented and hard to do. And it exists because we're all able, like as human beings, we've heard so much music in our lifetime. We kind of already know the internal pattern, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it's cool. I think it's cool to hear like all these guys just say like, well, instead of a typical, you know, trap beat, why don't we just go get a real drummer mm-hmm. and have that style up? It's the same tempo, whether it's 160 beats per minute and it's a hip hop beat or it's 160 beats per minute and it's a, you know, Paramore track. Like the Olivia Rodrigo song is another good example. Like that thing is a Paramore song, mm-hmm. but the, the verses and those, you know, moments where it goes to be a pop song work really well together because our ears can hear the difference now. And it's like, it's like a taste. It's like a seasoning, you know? Yeah. yeah. But not everyone's going to love it. It's just eventually though, it's going to be the sound because it's going to influence a whole new wave of songwriters and they're going to take and borrow from those ideas. Exactly. So like, you know, I'm looking forward to it. I think these emo nights, like, on a grand scheme or a great way of like showing what parties or nightlife can be. It doesn't always have to be like, so obvious it can be, you know, a genre of music you never thought you'd hear in a nightclub or outside of a rock bar yeah, or a dive bar. Like, no, we're at nightclubs playing my chemical romance and there's mosh pits here. And yeah, it's just the song. And is it kind of strange for sure, but it's still a party. Like I said, two-step thing like it's a country western night but it's emo and we know how to throw hands <laughs> that's funny <laughs> so that's, that's what you're gonna get yeah <laughs> uh let me see do i have another one uh i uh i haven't really said this yet and this is not really like set in stone um but the music that we all grew up here in texas you know spanish tejano music i really think tejano music is emo in a way um, you think it is? I think it is. In my in, oh, my, yeah. in, in my explanation, um, most of the songs are about love. You know, you love someone, or you, you got your heart broken by someone, and stuff like that. And you're always singing to your. I mean, it's so emo. It's so emo. I mean, growing up with I mean, it my whole life, it's like, yo, that shit's emo, bro. It's just in Spanish. Yeah, <laughs> it's just in Spanish, and it's got a tuba and a accordion going off. But the grito is like so emo. Oh, I'm surprised no one has done it yet. At <laughs> well, I'll right? Probably. You know, that's what we need to start bringing. Is just everyone start doing the grito. Let's hear it. Oh, uh, well, okay. Now that it's set out, it's out there in the universe. Somebody's probably gonna do it's it. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> I made a TikTok that was like uh, Mexican Warp Tour, and like different puns on emo band names. Yeah. 
And uh, the one that, you know, was the first one I, I hit my best of, of course, because you lead with your best. It was uh, three bands and then Pierce the Veil because they're already Mexican. Yeah. You know, it's the punchline. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Mexican Warped Tour lineup was Tahine Back Sunday, Coheed <laughs> uh, and Cumbia, Bring Me the Horchata, and Pierce the Veil. No shit, Pierce the Veil's playing? <laughs> I'm going Mexican Warped Tour, like, for sure. But Coheed and Cumbia, like, I really want to hear someone figure out a way to, like, take a Coheed song and get a Cumbia beat. The, the tempos line up. Mm-hmm. I'm just not the guy. Like, I can't figure out how to make it work in a way that I'm, like, proud of. I've tried. But if someone does hear this and is thinking, oh, yeah, gritos, and, uh, Tejano music, and cumbia music, like, it's all part of the emo lexicon, for sure, just put some My Chemical lyrics over it or vocals over it or Kohi's vocals, like, something. It'll it'll fit and it'll sound tight. Speaking of that, you speaking know? of My Chemical Romance, there's actually a song on YouTube it's it's uh my chemical romance is i'm not okay but it's in like a oh. tahano style yeah i've heard it and during streamo i would mix yeah. it in i'm like it's great that's and i'm right. like oh my god oh, it is good <laughs> yeah, yeah i love that version that's what i mean like isn't that cool yeah that's what i mean about the fusion of genres like you can really start to hear it all happening so yeah man i would say tahano is emo though just on lyrical content alone and if you don't buy that then i say the grito is like the pinnacle of it. No other genre has a grown man whining like that. <laughs> no, not like that. No. Across all the bands, like all the bands, like oh yeah, we got to do one of those. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, like I said, it's out there. Someone's gonna do it. Yeah. If it's not somebody, it'll probably be me, and you'll know it. You'll see me, and I'll look at you like I did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. I'll get on the mic and start doing it. Just see who else. You know, I gotta find. I gotta think about what song would work, but I'm gonna start listening to it with that intention, and I'll yeah. figure it out. Yeah. All right. Well, let's do one more unpopular opinion, and then we'll get into the next segment. So, do you? If you do, you have all another right. unpopular opinion? Mm, no, I'd say those were all. Like, if you don't know me and you happen to listen to this and you heard those opinions now, well, I'm sure you have an unpopular opinion about me. <laughs> so I'm kind of good <laughs> letting any more out my mouth. <laughs> You're like, you don't want to be in there like, hey, man, we heard your unpopular opinions. We're not going to go to emo night this time. But we'll be- yeah, bro, you suck. <laughs> uh, I don't think I have any more. So I, I think we can just probably just, all right, we close this segment. Let's get into the next one. So the next one is uh, one of my favorites. And I have a little jingle that goes to it. So it's called, it's pretty much it's called, what are you listening to? Um, where I asked my guest, well, what have you been listening to? It could be uh, a new album, a new artist, old music you used to listen to back then, a podcast, a serial thriller, crime podcast, whatever, you know. Pretty much it's like, what are you listening to? So you're pretty much letting me know and letting everybody else know what has the Emo King been listening to lately. Um, first thing, the new Don Tolliver album. Man, that thing is good. I think that's my favorite album this year. Uh, I can't stop listening to it. I put it on like when I get the shower. I put it on while I, you know, do some graphic design work. I put it on when I'm DJing and just like practicing. I'm like, God, these songs are good. So new Don Tolliver, if you don't know who he is, he's from Houston. He's like part of Travis Scott's camp. He's like Travis Scott light in the beginning. Like that's how I first got into him. But man, he's really coming to his own. So, uh, 
So yeah, um, listening to new Don Tolliver, Kid Leroy. I mean, I love I love the song "Stay" with Justin Bieber, but I was already kind of a fan of his. Mm-hmm. But I just been really getting into his work um, before he got super popular. And man, he's got some good songs. He's got this song called uh, "Oh Man." You have to forgive me. I'm going to keep going while I. That's fine. That's fine. Think about it. But uh, yeah, he's got a. Sorry, my car just turned off and bleeped at you. Um, outside of him, Doja Cat. I've been listening to a lot of Doja Cat. Um, I like Trippy Red. Trippy Red put out an album called Trip at Night this year. That's like hyper pop sounding, mm-hmm. rage music, mm-hmm. I guess is what it's called. I mean, here is where I'm a little old. I'm like still trying to understand it. So if anyone under 20 is listening and is like, this guy sounds like an idiot. Yeah, sorry, I'm 35. Give <laughs> <laughs> me some slack, man. I got a lot to catch up on. I mean, I'm the um, same way. I'm like, what is this again? And they're like, you should be. I, I try to keep my ears to the streets and try to learn all the little lingo. But even then, it's like, what? Okay. Yeah. yeah I make myself look like a dummy because I said the wrong one and now everyone's looking at me weird. <laughs> Uh, the Kid Leroy song is called Not Fair. Not it's fair. featuring okay. a guy named Corbin. Oh, man, yeah. If you if you haven't listened to Kid Leroy, I'd say start with that one. I don't know why. It just, it's got a cool blend of vocals that Corbin guys feature on it. It's, like, really nice. And I think it shows why Kid Leroy, like, I don't know. He has a bright future ahead of him to me. I think he's, like, a great up-and-coming uh, pop star. And then Doja Cat, I saw her at ACL and was blown away. I hadn't seen her yet. Um, I've been familiar with her for a long time, but I think she's really coming to her own. And then I love the new weekend song with Swedish House Mafia. So not a lot of emo. I'd say that Kid Leroy stuff's the most emo thing I'm listening to. Oh, oh well. Uh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean it's it's cool because people are now getting to see like. Oh, I guess he doesn't. He doesn't listen to Mike and Michael Romance and Taking Back Sunday all day, every day. He listens to different stuff, you know. And oh, like you yeah, said, you're a sure. DJ. You you love music. You you're always listening to different things, different genres and stuff like that, and stuff like that. So it's it's it's. I like it when it's refreshing. It's like, okay, he doesn't listen to just that. It's like he listens to all because people assume for me. I'm like they always think I'm listening to, I don't know, some emo music, and it's like. You're right, but I do like other music and stuff like that. You know, like oh, I've been yeah. listening to um, this band called Interwave. They're from LA. They're very indie, kind of rocky, kind of pop and stuff like that. I, I like them. I've been listening to them for a couple of years and they're pretty good. Um, they just released a new album and they're going to be touring, I think, next year. So hopefully I get to yeah, check them out. Yeah. Uh, who else? And then, you know, Kate Trinata. I like Kate Trinata. I'm going to go oh, see Kate him. Fire, yeah. yeah, I'm going to go see him when he comes in town a couple weeks. And then, of course, Thundercat, too. I mean, he's coming like the week, the week after. I'm going to that, too. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, who else have I been listening to a lot lately? Um, of course, I, you know, like Donda and stuff like that. Everybody still listens to the J. Cole. Um, yeah, I feel like people don't don't talk about how much they're listening to Donda. Like, they're not sharing it. But yeah. I think that's one thing that everyone is listening to in some way. Not everyone, but, like, most of us around our age group have to be listening to Donda. Like, it's definitely been on your Spotify. 
Oh yeah, dude. You've given it a, a play. I downloaded it as soon as it like came out. I was like, I listened to it on <laughs> yeah, Spotify, and then I downloaded it and put it in my phone because that's where all my music is. And I'm like, there's that. And then of course Drake too with Certified Lover Boy, and I listened to that. Yeah. And I was like, that's a good one. And J Cole and stuff like that. So it's like, I I keep my ears different. I, you know, I keep my ears to different stuff. Yeah. I like listening to different things. It's just not one same thing because a lot of people do assume like. Oh, he just listens to rock music, and I was like, "No, I, yeah. I'm a musician. I, I, I love music. I like listening to." I love stuff. music. Yeah, I love music. Um, have you heard Spirit Box? So, oh. thinking about like some the girl from I Wrestle a Bear once. No, I haven't heard and, like, Spirit Box. Of, uh, it's like Evanescence uh, 2020, but Ooh. man, it's actually really good. They just put out an album um, called Eternal Blue. Mm-hmm. And it's dope. Really cool stuff. Uh, there's a song on there called uh, Holy Roller. That mm-hmm. song rules. And then a song called Yellow Jacket that's tight. But, uh, yeah, they're on some, like, rock shit. Like, I think they're pushing the genre forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then what was the other thing I wanted to say? I to oh, Baby Keem. The Baby King Kendrick Lamar stuff that he, yeah. he put out is so good. I think that's one of my favorite songs this year that I've heard. And that's pretty much it. Like, that's really the breath. The only rock thing I'm listening to is uh, his Spirit Box. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well. And Pink Panthers. Pink Panthers. Another one. Ooh. Yeah. It's like drum and bass, indie pop. Like, she's crazy. Her voice is, is amazing. Very beautiful voice. And, like, the songs are, like, a minute and a half long. And, like, they're not, like, fully thought out, in my opinion. Yeah. They just kind of fade out. But it's cool. It's, like, she's just cool. She just puts it out, makes her money, and, like, self-released most of her stuff. And she blew up. She's really dope. Um, and then I work with an artist here in Austin, so I might as well plug her. Her name is Dreamy Cloud. Dreamy Cloud. Uh, Dreamy I.E. Yeah. I wrote a song with her called Melodies earlier this year. And she's got some cool hyper pop stuff that she put out called like Sweet Killer and footage um, of uh, Picture Perfect Ending. So other song, very cool stuff. So there we go. That's my full list. That's everything I'm listening to. Nice, nice. That's that's a whole it's yeah. a whole heap in different kinds of stuff out there. Yeah, yeah. There's a real uh, cacophony going on, but not in a bad way. <laughs> Just like. I'm not listening to it all at once because that would sound crazy, but, yeah. you know, throughout the day, my mood shift. But for rock stuff that, you know, if you haven't heard it, listen to it, Spirit Box. I well, think yeah. they've got a strong contender for a good album this year. Nice. I'm going to have to check In them that out. Genre. Yeah. Uh, well, if uh, if you do have the time, and some of these guys don't know this that listen to the podcast, I actually do have a Spotify playlist. It's called Inside the oh, Northside's nice. pod, uh, Podcast Playlist, and it's like, what are you listening to? So I always strongly suggest my uh, my guest, like, hey, if you want, follow the podcast playlist and then just add a bunch of like music in there. I always love it when my friends do that when they come on. Um, I'm like, yeah, hey, man, man, just, just go crazy and just like boom, 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 whatever. Cause I listen to it and I'll, I'll throw it on, you know, at a party and, or I'll listen to it when I'm like at work driving. And I was like, I like listening to what other people are listening to. And especially me, if like, if I'm in a mood, like if I'm in an eighties 
soul R&B mood, I'll pick a couple songs and start adding it to the playlist. I'm like, here, there you go. Check this out, you know? So, yeah. All right. Well, I'm looking for the music music playlist. I can't find it. Uh, it sh- I think you should just type inside the North Side uh, podcast, and it should come up. It's like uh, it should be it should be like the first thing I think it comes up. If not, um, if you can't find it, you can always go to the link tree. I'll send you the link to it, and it should be there. Okay. I, mean, I put the link, but um, but yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah, that's, that's I will find it and I will follow it for sure. <laughs> like I said, I always always recommend my guest. Hey man, so there's some music out there. I because like I said, my friend throws out uh, dark wave. I had another local artist. Um, her name is Janex. She does like reggaeton. I'm sorry, that's, my bad. Let me take that back. Reggaeton music. She does cumbia. You know, she likes Lana Del Rey. That's like who is her inspiration. So she kind of puts that into her music. I'm like, hey, put some music on the playlist. And, you know, I had my friend Pinky Bit Q on there, put some music. So, like I said, I love it when people put on there because it's like, I want to listen to what they're listening to. And, of course, everybody else is welcome. Not just the guests who come on here, but anybody else is welcome to. Follow the playlist and uh, check out what we're all listening to. So, yeah, man, I'm down. I'm I'm definitely gonna follow it, and I would like to add some stuff. And it's been a pleasure chatting with you, bro. Yeah, I've enjoyed it. Thanks, man. I really appreciate you. Oh, sorry, my tongue tied. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. I mean, it was really cool because, like I said, we I see you at emo night, but like I never get to like say what's up and chat and stuff. Yeah, like I'm always that. running around. Or- you know? Yeah. I mean, um, and I understand like you're busy. It's you're running the business. It's like, let's get this going. So, um, but I will say what's up and I will bring you some merch Tuesday when yeah, I go. Man. So yeah, we'll do a merch swap. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, but do, like I said, again, I appreciate you being on the podcast. It's really nice to sit down and talk, uh, music and just like pretty much let everybody know who you really are. Cause I mean, everybody knows that you're, you're up there and you're the DJ, but nobody like knows who you are. So this is a great way for people right, to yeah. get to know you. So no idea what I'm like for <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'm just the guy staring at the computer going, yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> All right. Look next up. song. Next uh, song. It, yeah. Next song. All right, man. Thanks. Well, All that right. was five hours already. Okay. I'm drunk. Time to go home. <laughs> so right. It's right. nice. It's nice to put the, you know, yeah. my voice out there and talk to someone about, what we've created so i really appreciate you uh taking the time to do this no problem man like i said it, it i'm always welcome to have more people like i said you're always welcome back on the podcast if you want to plug anything new or stuff like that um go ahead and do that now if you want to plug anything let the people know hey you know where they can find texas emo club and, and where you guys yes, are at and all yes. that so at tx emo club on uh instagram facebook twitter tiktok uh, that's about the only social media platforms we're using right now. And then Spotify, there's some Texas emo club playlists. If you want to, you know, throw your own emo party at home and not have to worry about it. We've curated a few different vibes, even an emo rap one called teardrop on there. If you're trying to explore the genre, just trying to do, you know, a little bit more work for the people mm-hmm. so they can, you know, think less while they put Spotify on and throw their own parties. And then, um, what else? Just, yeah, follow us. Keep an eye out. Um, we're definitely going to be doing more stuff in the coming years. So it'll be interesting to listen back to this in, uh, you know, about a year's time and go, damn, 
yeah, I didn't think we were going to go there, but I do see bright <laughs> things ahead of us. So I'm very excited for the future and, uh, you know, really encourage the, the city to roll with us as more and more of these events pop up. Like, yeah, we've been doing it for a long time. So, you know, you could trust we're going to do it right as these continue to go on. Yeah, for sure. For and sure. Do it, do it better. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, all my listeners out there in Austin and San Marcos and New Braunfels and Buda, you guys know what to do. Check out the Texas Emo Club. If you're going to go in the city, go check them out. They're awesome. If you guys around here in the Houston area, if you're in Humble, if you're in Atascacita, you're in Pearland, you're in all around the whole city, the greater Houston area. If you guys want to find some great emo music and just have a good time and vibe with everybody, go down to Barbarella, Texas Emo Club, first Tuesday of the month. You guys know what it is. You know what the vibes are. Again, thank you. Uh, for so much for being on the podcast, dude. Like I said, you're always welcome on here. And um, yeah, I think that's about it. All right, guys. Well, uh, this is the Inside the North Side podcast. Appreciate you guys listening. Uh, thank you again to our host. I can't thank you enough. Uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll have a good time. I hope to see you Tuesday. Uh, have a good Halloween. Happy Halloween to all you guys. Happy Halloween, yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, man. So have a good one, and I'll see you uh, Tuesday, and I'll see you guys next time. All right, man. Looking forward to it. Peace out, brother.